He loves the country and he loves balsamic glaze. Please help me welcome to the stage your host, the one and only Patrick Ben David. Keep the applause going, guys, one more time. Give it up for PBD. Everybody can sit down. Oh, it's a little chilly in here. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do this. Okay. How many of you guys watched the podcast this morning, by the way? Anybody watch any of it this morning? Did you watch the whole thing? Or you just kind of watched a clip of it. What you watch? The whole thing. Parts of it? Let me just tell you, whoever, uh, by the way, let me put it to you guys this way, how crazy it was this morning with our podcast. The guest we had on the podcast today, I don't know, I don't know the last time he was trending. It's fair to say 2016. Uh, an hour after the podcast, he's been trending all day on Twitter today. All day, thanks to the friendly conversation we had on the podcast today, which is fantastic. For those of you that haven't seen it, we'll give you a clip. You'll get a good understanding of it. Dave, for the audience that doesn't know you, do you mind taking a minute and just introducing yourself to everybody? We've got a lot of topics to go through. Uh, some of you that are here uh, for the first, first time, we, we're going to talk a lot of politics today. We're going to talk some business today. We're going to talk a lot of politics. we got some crazy things that's going on. we got a couple of weird videos to give you. Uh, we're going to talk about the movie Sound of Freedom. Anybody seen the movie Sound yep. of Freedom? Yes or no? Record-breaking. It just hit $100 million, by the way. It tops Mission Impossible. So we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about a few other things. Uh, uh, Matt's got a few things to talk about with pay raises as well as a story that came out from Insider, Americans are moving to Japan for its safety and affordability. I can totally see Okafor moving to yep. Japan for safety and <laughs> totally see that part. And then we got a, a couple other weird things going on. One of the topics here that uh, Adam was really insisting we have to talk about, it's, it's a topic that the title here will give it away, marriage outdated. Two out of five adults think the tradition no longer matters. We're going to see how you feel about it. We're going to see how Adam feels about it. Everybody yeah. else here is married, but maybe Adam's going to have a different maybe perspective. Maybe I'll get married after the show. Maybe there's someone in the crowd. What we got? I believe in miracles. That's a tough one here. But we'll see what happens. So, Dave, for people that don't know you, if you don't mind taking a moment and introducing yourself. Uh, sure. I'm Dave Smith. I was uh, the uh, campaign director for Anthony Weiner. Um, <laughs> we didn't quite get him over the hump, but we did what we could. Um, now, I'm, I'm Dave. I'm a, a stand-up comedian and a libertarian podcast host and a talker of shit. Talker of shit. <laughs> yeah. Yes, talker, shit talker. There's no question about it. So 
I think we just kind of talk about what happened today, and we'll go on to all the, all the yeah. other topics, right? Rob, do you mind showing a, a glimpse of what happened today on the podcast? Now, how many of you know who Anthony Weiner is? Raise your hand if you know who Anthony Weiner is. How many of you guys don't know who he is? Raise your hand if you have no clue who Anthony Weiner is. Okay. How would you describe who Anthony Weiner is? Okay, so uh, Anthony Weiner was a congressman uh, from my hometown, New York City, and um, he, he's a congressman named Weiner. It's not Weiner. And he, uh, nope, unfortunately it's pronounced Weiner. <laughs> and he accidentally uh, tweeted a dick pic. Yeah. Um, now, in his defense, these were the early days of Twitter, and we all made mistakes. Of course. But he was trying to direct message a dick pic to some chick, and he accidentally just tweeted it. And then he a immediately... A 14-year-old chick. No, no, no. This is not the 14-year-old. That came later. Oh, my bad. He was just trying to message some chick of age, just good Christian fun. And... <laughs> so, now, this is the early days of Twitter, okay? So he tweeted it, instead of sending the message, immediately realized he tweeted it, and then hit delete. And I'm, I guarantee in his mind he went, caught it. Because <laughs> he didn't understand how the internet works. So he did, deleted it, but there were 500,000 screen grabs of this thing already. And so he was forced to resign in disgrace for being a congressman named Wiener who tweeted a dick pic. Can, by the way, can, can, we do a, can we do a poll, PBD? Real talk, men, right now, raise your hand if you got a picture of dick pic in your phone right now. Wow, wow, <laughs> wow Zapala. And by the way, men, you? men, just before Come you on, answer, Come on. we will be checking phones wait, wait, after so the show. Zapala went so. there. We're going to find out. We'll be confiscating phones by the end of the show. <laughs> by, by the way, it, what, what... I know you got something, Okafor. Come on, Madge, stop it, bro. What Matt just asked, what... what FYI, PHP, just some, some of you guys that are here, this is not the typical way we talk <laughs> at the convention, but get used to it. This is yeah. the podcast. That's how Zapala started right? it. Let's yeah. just... So, but go ahead. So what else could you say about him? So aside from that, what happened with oh, Wiener? At one, okay. at one point, this guy's about to be a mayor. He was number two in the uh, yes. campaign for so New York City. He made a comeback after having to resign in disgrace. He comes back. He's running for mayor of New York City. Not a small job. He is at, in the top of the polls when yet more dick pics come out. And that's New York City. Listen, we're a, we're a harsh but fair people. <laughs> like, we were, he, we were still considering him. After the first dick pic. Yeah. But then the second dick pic, we were like, dick pic me once, shame on you. you know, but like, the second dick pic, we were like, that's too much. It's he a good plummeted point. in the polls. Now, Anthony Weiner also was married uh, to Uma, uh, Uma Abedin. Uma Abedin, yes. If I'm pronouncing your name right. Who is Hillary Clinton's right-hand Can you show the woman. picture, Rob, so they know? Go for it. She's Hillary Clinton's like, closest advisor, highest level confidant, and there's some speculation... Maybe even more. Um, I don't know about that. But uh, so then Wiener, uh, in 2016, another scandal comes out where this time I think he had actually messaged an underage girl. And this was a whole thing. Uh, one, I forget exactly how it went down, but the NYPD went and uh, raided his house. They seized his laptop. Now, they realized that on this laptop, there are a ton of emails from his wife which also include a whole bunch of emails from Hillary Clinton. And this is actually what prompted Comey to reopen the Hillary Clinton investigation wow. just a couple weeks before the election. So this guy 
in some ways got Donald Trump elected president. Yeah. It was certainly one of the He's an American hero. Really, yeah. <laughs> Listen, the guy he at did the, the end country he came service. Through. It all starts with I a dick thank pic. Him. I want to yeah. meet this guy. Tom, thank <laughs> you. You try making an omelet without a few dick pics. <laughs> so, having said that, this is what happened on today's podcast, a very friendly conversation we're having. And I, uh, uh, I simply asked a question. It was not a crazy question. It was a simple question, and it led to this. So, Rob, if you got it, if you can show this clip so we can get a reaction to it, and then we'll go from there. And Paula Grober, Rob, Danny uh, Casolero, can you see the video or no? Because I don't see the video on the cameras. Just so you know, I don't see myself on uh, the videos here. Ilan, if you can put the videos here so we can see them the way it was this morning, because right now I'm seeing myself. Okay, perfect. So if now if you want to go to the, uh, is this it? This is the one minute clip. That perfect, we that's the one I want you to show. Go for it. Oh man, Paula Grober, Danny no, no, uh, not Casolero. This one, not this one, no, no. I want you to go to the one, go, and that's Vitamin. Go to my personal account. Go to my personal account. If you can show the screen with Twitter. If you can, just stay here with me, I don't need to see myself. Stay you go. If you go to my personal account and go a little lower, uh, that one right there, all the way at the top. All that one right there. Make that bigger. It's like 59 seconds. And piss some people like you off. That's and my Okay, go back. Go for it. Play it. Served in the I, military and I, dragging their names I have the a dark. reputation to ask tough questions and piss some people like you off. That's and my including reputation. Dead, including dead people who I'm going to stand oh, up for. Oh, trust me. We are standing up for them more than you are let's standing say, up for them. Let's say you better get my back to that list because we're going to clear some people's my, names today. My question for you is, my question for you is, how is it that in the last 50 years, we don't have a single candidate... Everybody has their own. Hey, John F. K. was a playboy with Marilyn Monroe. Trump, Karen McDougal, Stormy Daniels. You know, George Bush linked to 9-11 and weapons of mass destruction. Bill Clinton linked to Arkansas women, all this others. Everybody has a reputation. How is it that the reputation that follows them as people close to them die? Why right. is that a story that people, many people believe in? Why is how, that? Are the Clintons in their 70s yet? If I, you don't think I can make a list of other people who are 70-something years old and say this person died, How come that they person done died, that with this Bush? person died. Hold on. How come they haven't done that with Bush? He's in the same, same I age. I have no freaking idea why they haven't done that with Trump. How come they haven't done that with Trump? Hold on a second. But, so are you saying, so you agree with what How I'm saying? How come they haven't done that with Reagan? So How come they haven't done that with Kerry? What point are you making about these men and women How who you listed? How is it so many people close to them die? How is it so many people, people close, close to, to everybody has, dies? How is are it you so suggesting... Many, Okay. I'm asking the question. You're is what asking I'm doing. a bizarre question. Exactly. Did it's people die? You off. Did people die? No. What pisses me off, and I'm going to say what? this again because you apparently are not listening to me. You read a list yeah. of people off an obscure website that 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 of, of conspiracy theory, taking a Venn diagram of everyone that ever worked in the orbit of someone who served in public life for 50 years, and you listed them, including people in the military, including strangers you could not pull out of a, and you are implying. Let me, let me that, simplify that there's something you, to fair. Let, let me finish my thought. Let me finish my thought. Please do so, because I got another let me finish my thought. here for you. You're implying both <laughs> yeah. with the question and with the website. The website says it explicitly. I you're implying you it. Website. Let me finish. Go ahead. You're Don't implying that until, something. Until he's done. You Don't are implying. Don't pull it up until he's done. Go for it. You are implying that something nefarious is afoot both with the question yeah. and with the list. Hillary Clinton, she's a big girl. I'm a big boy. You're a big boy. The people that you just listed. They're all. Listen to me. No. Dead. These yeah. are obscure people that you could <laughs> not pull a out. You're a great of. politician, buddy. 
Wait a minute, hold on. Let me, let me, fantastic. You know what? You are, you are, you are the classic bully. You list someone's name, you and are, are you going to go back if and clarify? If there's anybody that's the bully, you going to go clarify? You know what the are you going to clarify this list? Is. You I don't really you know can, that. Ad hominem attack on me yeah. is going to somehow classic clear that bully. person's name. There isn't anybody at this table that's a bigger bully than I you. I tell you. Oh yeah. You you just yeah. listed some stranger with with Very PFC good, with PFC. Way of pinning. Good Look for you. You're reading some. Good for you. Reading a conspiracy website. Some people. Some people say, yeah. some people say, look at that fucking Rob, website. I just sent to you. Pull you, up the Wikipedia. As you you want to By the way, this went on. Literally, this went on from... Go two ahead. hours. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, technically, it, the, the awkwardness started before the podcast. Five minutes before the podcast. He was very disrespectful yeah. when he showed up. Yeah. Intentionally, yeah. perhaps. And then he apologized in the last ten minutes, which yeah. was, you know, respectful for him to do it. Yeah. He was being uh, a dick. He, maybe a dick pic. Yeah. No, He's he didn't text me anything. I didn't get any text from him afterwards. Check your but phone, Pat. No, no, I'm not going to get any text from him. Check so, <laughs> but, but listen, from, from your perspective, you were saying something in the back about him on how this happened. You know, you made a, a point right now about the fact that, uh, you know, if it wasn't for him, maybe Trump doesn't become a president. And you're absolutely right, indirectly. Well, well look, in, the, the thing is, like, in an election as close as the 2016 election was, any one major factor, you know, kind of is the difference. So, you know, that was certainly a major factor. I just can't get past, look, man, the, this guy was sexting with a, an underage girl totally humiliated his family publicly. And then the idea that he's just like morally lecturing you that you had the nerve to bring up the fact right, right. that it like a ridiculous amount of people very close to the Cl Clintons have died. And like, but you're just not allowed to bring, you didn't say uh, the Clintons have murdered these people. You went, hey, what's up with this? And just like the moral, like condescending to you as if this was some outrageous offense like what we're not allowed to even think of the possibility that maybe politicians have people murdered like now who's being naive Kay? you know like that famous line from the godfather look these people the clintons these are people who we all know have had people murdered in mass numbers we just call that foreign policy we just call that when they decide we're going to go on a bombing campaign in Iraq, as Bill Clinton did throughout both of his uh, terms, had a massive blockade around Iraq where the UN estimated 500,000 children starved to death. Okay? That, this was the UN's estimates. I'm not sure if they're right or not. But the idea that people who do that for a living would be so uncomfortable also off the clock being like, yeah, I'm okay with this guy being killed is not that wild of a jump to me. And if you want to do a deep dive into it, I'm not going to go full Alex Jones here. But there's a lot of very suspicious deaths around the Clintons, and it's totally fair to bring that up. Yeah, it, it's, it's, by the way, I will say, have you seen his documentary or no? The documentary N called Wiener, and it's no. not a porn. It's, oh, no, it's no, actually no. Yes, a documentary. Yes, I did. I did yeah. see it. I did. I forgot about it. I did. It's the documentary of his comeback. I, I, when I watched it originally, I comeback. thought it starts in a weird way. Nice I'm like, there, here's a documentary, Wiener. Last night I get home. Uh, uh, Vinny, where's Vinny? Vinny, you told me to watch it. Vinny, somewhere around here. Yeah, he said, Pat, you may want to watch this documentary. I get home at midnight from here, and I sit down. I'm like, I watch half of it. I watch the other half in the morning. Next thing you know, an hour and a half later, I'm finishing the whole thing. It feels like five minutes. What they did during that campaign with him and his wife, everybody has to watch because the one area you got to give him credit, this guy was an incredible campaigner. And if there's one quality that he has that's very hard uh, uh, for most people to have, and you almost need this because... Obviously, you know, if you can get away with, you know, the texting side, set the texting part aside and you just kind of flirt and set the under the 18, 18 side. Mm -hmm. He's a 
super competitive, psychopath competitor like many of these other guys, but the guy is shameless. And there was an element of being shameless and relentless that he was not going to let that. Right after the second story comes out, he says, babe, there's a scene. You guys will see this. Right? There's like, so you're going to get in the video or what? We got to make a campaign video. It says, a story just came out that you just texted a 50. Do you want to get here in this video or not? We need to make a campaign video. Do you understand what I just said? There's, like, a, there's one point, if you remember, I, I actually forgot about this documentary, but I did watch it. There's one point, it was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in a documentary, if you remember right at the end, when the whole thing's just collapsing for him. The girl's and he's, chasing him. Everything's going down and is collapsing in the polls and it's clearly not happening. And the, the guy behind the camera, he's in this moment where he's just so down, and the guy behind the camera actually asks him, he goes, why are you letting us do this? <sighs> like, why are you letting us record this moment? And he's just like... I don't know. Oh, man. we asked like, him the question today. Yeah. Adam, I think you asked him the question today. What was his answer to you? He says, I, I said, have you seen it? He says, I've never seen the documentary. And I said, how come you've never seen it? He says, for an opportunity one day in an interview like this to tell you I've never seen it. Yeah. I said, but why haven't you? I said, why'd you even let people, why'd you do it? What was the purpose of doing it? He says, I don't know. So people can kind of see what the story was like behind closed doors. You know, but when we asked him the question, I said, so what do you think about Hillary Clinton? You know, honorable, honest people, very honorable. Very honest, great people, et cetera, et cetera. This guy literally sounded like a full-blown flag carrier. Mm -hmm. And the word that came out, I don't want to speculate anything, but I'll tell you the word that came out of my mind. And this word, i got to give credit to this word to, I believe, Vinny, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> you ever heard what a, a dead man switch is? You yeah, ever heard of I've a heard dead man switch? Yes. Can you pull up the definition of a, of a dead man switch? A dead man's switch, Okay. Okay, pull it up, zoom it in so we can read this. Adam, if you can move your feet, I can't yes, see it. Yes, sir. Uh, is uh, a, a switch that is designed to be activated or deactivated. If a human operator, go a little bit to the right, human operator becomes incapacitated. In, 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 incapacitated. Incapacitated, such as through death, loss, or loss of consciousness, or being bodily removed from control, originally applied, originally applied to switches on a vehicle. So meaning, if, because he knows everything. I said, Anthony, you know you know. You know you know. And there was a moment, it's like I'm saying, I know for a fact, you know what, nobody know here anything. knows I don't more. know anything. And he's looking at me like, you know, how are you alive? How are you alive? The only way you can be alive is because of this. Where they fear if they do something that maybe like this is going to come out and something's going to trigger story being emailed to everybody in media and they're going to be like holy shit so that is the only way i can in my mind justify mm -hmm. why he's alive why he builds them up why they protect each other and why the other people are sitting there saying let's leave this guy alone now obviously all of this is speculation yeah no one knows if there's credibility behind it or not but it's worth speculating well i think that like what one of the things that we kind of learned from the whole jeffrey epstein uh scandal is that there are, at least in this one major like uh, example, there are these attempts to like gather blackmail on very powerful people. And this is part of the reason why really fucked up people rise to the top. Because people who are, say, like, if you're, say, texting with an underage girl and someone has information about that, 
they now can control you completely. That's what the whole Jeffrey Epstein thing was, essentially. He'd invite these powerful people out to parties. He'd be like, there's parties, there's tons of chicks there. Yeah, the there'd, be, there'd be cameras in every room. You go there, you hook up with one of the chicks. The next day, Jeffrey Epstein goes, by the way, she was 15, <laughs> and also you're going to be voting no on this legislation that's coming across your desk next week. Like, that was essentially, there's, there's some speculation whether he was working for the CIA or Mossad or who he was working for exactly, but that's basically the operation. My guess would be someone like Anthony Weiner. There's we may know some of the dirt on him, but who knows how much dirt all of these people have on him. You so know, he may be very required to when Hillary Clinton comes up, you go to bat defending mm -hmm. what a noble person she is mm -hmm. or else. You know what's crazy, Pat, that, that blows my mind? That so many people are oblivious to this. How much back-end crap goes on where there's blackmailing each other like, for example, you think about, like, the, the Clintons, for example. You're thinking about these powerful people. They've been in power. Like, to a normal, everyday person like you and me, you don't think about killing somebody because you don't have a lot to lose. You don't have anything to lose. You lose a job, you'll get, get a next one. You know, you lose whatever. You, you, you know, a company fails, you're only making two, $300,000 a year, you go start another company. But when you're in power for so many years at the highest level of your life, and you're making this much money, and that chair that you have makes you so much money, you'll do anything to keep it. But everyday people can't think that way because you don't even imagine of killing your boss if they fire you because the reality is what do you have to lose? You don't have a lot to lose. But when you have your entire power to lose, and even the Bible says about that it corrupts people. King David did it. That's why he went to go sleep with the wife of his general and then wanted to cover up by killing the, putting the general on the front lines to have him killed. God's men have done this. What makes you think these politicians are not doing that? I mean, the Bible tells us, it shows us examples of this. So the fact that in politics, when people are like, you defend your candidate as if they were never to do anything wrong, or your party's the one that, oh my God, it's like, bro, you can't, you can't imagine what's going on behind the scenes. They have to keep their power, and they will compromise, and they will kill if they have to, just like King David killed in order to keep his secret, the fact that he had impregnated the wife of one of his generals. I got to say, it's very uh, uh, soothing to know you have no desire to kill your boss like any guy. <laughs> I, 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 that's, that's why I don't do well with bosses because I don't I, I do have those thoughts so you know <laughs> and with my record you know I come through by the way uh, Ricky walks in we're having dinner I say uh, 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 Dave this is uh, Matt and Sheena Sapala you know here's who they are this is what they do here's how here's Rodolfo and Ceci Vargas they're doing this they're doing that here's Ricky just got out of jail just last week and so oh, very cool. Good to meet you. <laughs> I don't know. I looked at it. Checked out to me. I was like, <laughs> I was like welcome home, dude. You, <laughs> pay, you paid your Listen, debt. The only no. person, everybody, you got to know that the only person here looks like they're dressed appropriately for the location in South Florida. We got to give it up. Ricky's out there. Look at <laughs> him right there. With the calves, <laughs> with the shirt. We're dressed in suits. The heater is on. Anyways, let's go to the next story. Next story. Marriage outdated. Marriage outdated. Adam, be ready. Two in five young adults no, think... That, that picture is, is kind of selling the idea. Yeah, exactly. With Uma. <laughs> two in five young adults think the tradition no longer matters. A survey reveals that two in five young adults consider marriage an outdated tradition with, a, with 85% believing that a fulfilling and committed relationship doesn't require marriage. The sentiment is more prominent among women. 52%. Wow, 41% men. The survey re reflects a broader trend as one in four 40-year-olds in the U.S. have never married. And 34% of people 15 
and older have never been married. 15 and older. 15 and old never been married. Okay. The rising cost of weddings is a major deterrent. And 73% of millennials and Gen Zers considering it too expensive. Young adults feel judged for not being married, especially by their mothers. 69% of women, 27% of men. Fear of divorce is also a significant factor, with 47% expressing concerns. And many couples lack plans for shared responsibilities like pets and children in case of a breakup. So Adam, why do you, what do you think about this article here? Well, like, is marriage worth it? Is it not worth it? What are your thoughts on this? I mean, Let me just say this. I think that uh, at the end of the day, men and women are better together. I think uh, we're here with PHP. I think uh, you guys, how many, how many of you guys are married couples working together? There you go. There you like, go. Literally everyone. Exactly. And I'm not pandering to the audience. I genuinely believe that. Respect. But 90% of hands we just went up. Yes. Yep. Well, I don't know what that was. Um, but you might have saw that I uh, was trending on uh, social media. Me and my ex-girlfriend, Chelsea Handler, had yep. a bad breakup. Yeah. Heartbreaking. You know? I remember you were emotional about you know, it. I'm into a... that used-up 50-year-old uh, lady vibe. <laughs> and um, I think there's two things going on here. I think, number one, women um, have been fed a um, bowl of lies from modern-day feminism, uh, telling them that they don't need a man, go out, work, like make your money. Why need a man in your life? Just do it by yourself. And th I think that's just an absolute shame because I think that women, the number one role of a woman, whether it's... Here we go. Here it is. I think, and I ask married women all the time. Get the shoes ready, lady. Here we go. Ladies. I don't care how much money you make, what you do for business, the best thing you've ever done is have children and raise great children, okay? I'm looking at many women right here. As amazing as Sheena is and as amazing as Marlene is, whoever's out there, your kids are the best. Yeah. Are they not? Okay, you would trade everything you you're doing how quiet here. they were? Well, they, yes. Just recently, you know, it's, it's been summer, kids been yeah. home. It's like, listen, my kids are not good. They're yeah. not going to school right now. No, I know. Parents I, feel it, you know, if you got the kids at the house. And I know, Matt, with I, your I, dozen I, I, kids, you know what I'm saying <laughs> about this, brother. And then I think that um, women, when they enter this modern-day mindset of feminism, men, when they make money, they look for dependence. Yo, I'm a man, I made my money, let me go find my girl, I'm gonna have a family, I'm gonna do my thing. A lot of women are like, I'm independent, I don't need my man. So it's sort of counterintuitive. Men are very fearful these days, why? Because of the court systems. 98% of alimony are men paying women. So 98%, not 90, like, these are very high numbers. So I do a show called SauceCast where finance meets romance, and I have these difficult conversations about prenups. Nice little plug there, you like that, Pat? Um, and, and like you just saw um, the soccer player who hid his assets moms. in his mom's days. name, and the woman divorced him. And basically what happened was she came after his assets. He's like, I ain't got no money, baby. Like, I got nothing. The mom had it all. And ironically enough, she, she's a hot model. She makes a million bucks a year. Now she's paying him at Alimony, allegedly. That's beautiful. So I think, yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys. We only win 2% of yeah, the time. You, exactly. you have to celebrate. You exactly. do realize that the leader's bullet says, bullet says Erica Juarez, so that's why that's beautiful. Because if we ever get divorced, Erica's going to be paying me since I don't have anything. <laughs> My well, plaques say Erica yeah. Juarez. Well, he just right. got out of jail. Everything's in his mom name. We yeah. know how that thing works. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I think, I think what society is lacking <laughs> is genuine examples of what 
great relationships and marriages and families look like. That's why I love PBD and his family, because what yeah. an amazing situation. The only other person that I would constantly look at and be like, wow, that's the man, is Tom Brady. Super Bowl winning quarterback, GQ, stud, millionaire, this, that, the other. Model, wife, Giselle, hot, this, family, kids. And it's like, she leaves Tom Brady. And I say this all the time. It's like, Giselle, I know you're hot and all, but good luck finding another Tom Brady, right? So I think society, what's the Wall Street Journal article about crumbling values in America today? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Religion, family values, community service, marriage. Like, I think we're trending the wrong way. And I think that it's incumbent on men and women to understand what's happening in society today and not just be like, oh, Adam, you're an asshole, you're a chauvinist. No, I want to get married. I want to have a family. I want to have kids. But I also want to be aware of the pitfalls of what's going on today. Yeah. Well, it's like the, reading this article, I mean, it's just, it's very, to me, it's very sad. Um, number one, because it's just, like you said, it's, it's a, a clear sign of like societal decay that we would even be in this situation. Look, the objective reality is that marriage is the best situation for children. And that should be our priority. What's best for the children? And there's something so perverse about our current culture where there's so much focus on kind of like the, like you, the individual. This is one of the things that drives me crazy about always celebrating people who come out as, as trans. And they're like, oh, this is wonderful. You're being who you are. You know, you were always a woman and you have to live as you feel. And like, no one ever seems to go like, hey, what about the kids? And what about is your this, penis? Is this not different? Well, yeah, that's, well, you don't, turns out you don't have to do anything yeah. to that now. Um, but it's just like, there doesn't seem to be concern about this. And that's, that, by the way, that's how society continues is through children. And just to your point, Adam, I mean, look, I would say, I don't think it's just like a thing for women. I mean, I, like, I love my career. I really love it. I have my dream job. I love doing stand-up comedy. I love doing cool shows like this. I love it. I make a very good living, you know, not compared to some people, <laughs> but compared to, the, compared to the general population, I do very well. And I have a, a career that I'm passionate about that I love. That's pretty rare. It's mm -hmm. a small percentage of, of society who has that. And still, if you were to ask me, What's the most meaningful or important thing in my life? It's not like career is number two. It's such a distant number two. Like, the older you get, the more you realize all that really matters is family. Mm -hmm. That's all that matters. And I think it's very easy, particularly for women, just because they do have more of a biological clock, just that's the reality, than men. It's very, it's very easy when you're 25 to be like, I don't really care about any of that. I'm having fun. I'm doing my thing. And then it's very easy to do that up until you're 35. And by the time you're 35, you're up against it. You are immediately, you're in a high-risk pregnancy if you get pregnant at 35. Geriatric no matter what pregnancy it is, pregnancy yes, is there's, you're, you're, you're increased the risks of something going wrong. On top of that, if you're 35 and single and you want to have kids, you better fi find the guy, like, immediately. Ladies, I'm single much out there. If you're out there, <laughs> where, where we at? And, and there's, so I think there's kind of this, um, I, remember, I remember being young, like being really young and feeling like 40 was really old. You remember like that feeling of like what 40 felt like when you were 20? Shoot, 28. And you yeah. were like, I've been 40 for three years now, Dave, so yeah, I get so, it. Well, you're really experiencing it. Uh, but like you remember that, and then, and it almost feels like if you're, that's like the end. Like 40 is the end, you know? But it's not. It's the halfway point. And so, like, it might feel great at 25 to be like, oh, I don't need a family, I don't need kids. Like, okay, but how are you going to feel at 55, 60, 65, 70, 75, when other people have their kids and their families around them, and you have, like, nothing, 
And you know, the, the tragic thing about it is that there's no going back at that point. Like you've kind of got to figure this out now. Mm -hmm. And so it's awful that we don't like, how do we, how do we not as a culture like promote to young people mm -hmm. that the best thing you can do is get married and have a family? Can I add one thing to you and then, and then I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna give I mean, you the best, the best thing for me was yeah. getting married to my wife, Sheena. Best thing ever happened in my life was marrying my wife. I got married at 21, 22 years old, coming out of the military. Had my son at 22 years old. Got divorced at 22 years old. Filed bankruptcy at 22 years old. PTSD at 22 years old. Remember we were moving our boxes? I showed you my PTSD certificate. It went to the shredder. The shredder. I wish I kept it. But I'm going through all this stuff. And some of the worst dark moments in a man's life is knowing that your children just got ripped away from your house. That you have to be told by the courts when to see your kids. That the courts say you pick your kids up at the Walmart here, the parking lot, you meet here, and like you have supervised visitation, all this bullshit. Yeah. And when you see the uh, your child support money going and it's not going to the child, so men will look at it that way. And that's the way I looked at it. So for me, I did a deep dive into my faith. When I looked at uh, that Wall Street Journal, this is when I uh, started going to Calvary Church in, uh, in, uh, was that, uh, in Orange County, Calvary Church. Uh, what's that mall there? Um, in South Coast Plaza, right there at Calvary Church. Yeah, Raw, uh, Raw Reese and uh, Greg Laurie. He was out there, they had Bible studies on Mondays, and they're talking to me about the design of marriage. I'm like, well, I've never heard of this stuff before. And so I wasn't around the example of husband and wife together raising, uh, being raised by a kid. Now, granted, my father was around, he was there, but typical Filipino dad never said anything until you did something wrong, right? And then I learned how to just not talk to my father because I didn't want to be um, told I was doing it wrong. But if you're looking at um, my 14 years after I got divorced, I said, I'm just going to I'm just going to do my thing. I focused on my business 14 years. She's going to come. She's going to come. Now, as a man, I felt I could wait. Build my business, I could wait. Evolve. Because I felt more confident as a husband if I was a provider and a protector. If I wasn't providing, if I wasn't protecting, I wouldn't feel good as a man. And then, baby, remember we, got, uh, we decided to get married. So let's just go into our pastor's office and just do the swearing in there. Our mothers found out. Like, oh, no, you're not going to do that. Next thing you know, family comes in. We spent, how much was our budget for our wedding? A thousand bucks. How what? much is your wedding dress? hundred bucks for a wedding dress. Our save wedding that money. Our we save that money, baby. Our wedding downstairs, everything was, everybody was pumped up, excited. I mean, it was, to me, I was biased to it, but we just felt that was an awesome wedding. That is so cool. Would you mind talking to my wife? <laughs> <laughs> just maybe you guys hang out it, a little it, bit together. The best thing the she said, babe, you know what? I don't, I don't care about... Uh, 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 spending money on our wedding, I'd rather invest in our marriage. That's a wife right there, y'all. That's a wife. Sheena, you wife got any younger her. sisters? You got any like? But hey, hey, Pat, she has a brother. I think, I think she has a brother. All right, I'll take what I can get. Um, you have a brother. Throw a, a brother. wig on that thing and trans these days. I don't, I don't care. I'm getting a prenup though, Sheena. But you said something very interesting, Dave. That you said um, the the best environment. To raise children is with a dual family, dual parent household, right? PBD, you did an entire episode about this. That the second best is actually with a single father. That the stats are actually quite comparable to a, a dual parent household to the, that of just a man raising a, ch a child, and then it just plummets if it's a single mom. What yeah. was that? What was that? that yeah, study? that's what it was. Like, like yeah. the, the power of having a father figure in your life. Uh, uh, it's a difference. Like if there's I'm no at the house, there's no authority, Pat. There's no, there's no accountability yeah. when you're just raised with your mom. It's funny. Me and my wife were just having this conversation yesterday. We we're just talking about it, Pat. There's no accountability. 
because there's nobody keeping you in check. The mother just wants to nurture, oh, you're okay, what happened to you, you got scraped, let me help you. The dad's like, nah, you got to quit that bullshit real fast, you got to get but, the rest to work. I can't see Angie, your mom, having an easy time raising you and Alejandro. <laughs> hey, you guys look like you guys are two <laughs> sweet Alejandro. little boys, you yeah. listened, you didn't break the rules. Yeah. Oh, mom, I'm in jail stuff. again, I, can you come, come, can you come <laughs> get me? That's exactly what happened. No, <laughs> hijo, no, not this time. Yeah, no, it's, it's, you have no accountability, you have nobody to answer to, and the natural order, I think a lot of people don't realize that the natural order of life is, you know, as God, we, we, we answered the man. A man doesn't, that, that doesn't answer or is not accountable to God has nothing to live for because he has nothing to base his life on. So the natural order is God, the, man, the head of the household, and the wife, and then the kids. And when you disrupt that natural order of life, you're done. There's no way you're going to have a healthy life if you continue to live that way. So to me, it's like, yeah, of course it makes sense that single fathers are raising better kids than single mothers. Mm -hmm. Not because moms suck at it, it's because the dad needs to be there to have an accountability over that child. Mm -hmm. The fact that I got in trouble so much was because my dad was not there. My dad's not a deadbeat, he was around, but my dad, I, I just felt like I'd get away with, with more because dad was not there to, to, uh, to tell me, hey, you can or you can't do this or whoop my ass like he did when I was around them all the time. It kept me in check. So yeah, yeah. It, it makes total sense. You know? I, I, I would also just add to this because I agree with everything you guys have been saying and I think it's very true that one of the things that uh, disincentivizes men uh, from wanting to get married is kind of these artificial legal yep. uh, liabilities. Yep. That are, Matt, that you are, dealt with this, Matt. Exactly. So there's no question about that. And I had cousin and kids. Um, but there's also there's there's other aspects to it as well, and I, like I would because I'm obsessed with politics, so this is what I focus on. But there's also aspects <laughs> where direct government policies have disincentivized families, and not just the fact that for years, like say the rise of the welfare state, for years they were straight up cutting you a check straight if up. you had kids yes. without a dad in the household. LBJ, like, right basic, side and, and this is just like you know yeah, and and this is just basic economics 101 that if you incentivize a behavior, you will get more of it than you otherwise would have that's just the way uh, that's the way things work on top of that the policies of um sucking kids into this college trap yep. and and artificially bidding up the prices of college yeah. which is all loans backed by the government guaranteed by the government you know if you if some 18 year old kid here who has no some some 18 year old who has no income and no assets and no work history walked in and said i want a loan for two hundred thousand dollars to start a business you will get laughed out of the bank. It would be like there is no chance that you could find a bank Great to give point. you that loan. But if you go in there and say, I want it for college, boom, rubber stamps, here you go. No problem <laughs> sending you into debt. It's the most vicious. Uh, type of debt. It's worse than credit card debt. They can garner your wages over it. You can't file bankruptcy to get rid of it. Then, at the same time, we've had policies uh, such as artificially low interest rates, the, the Federal Reserve buying mortgage-backed securities on a regular basis that have bid up the price of housing. So you now you have these guys, you know, it's like these 25-year-olds who come out of college, they kind of did what all the adults around them were telling them is the right thing to do. They're 150 grand in debt. The average price of a home is like $800,000. And the kid works at Starbucks. And he's like, well, how the hell am I ever gonna get married and like provide for a wife and a family? And, and to be fair, this is part of the reason why so many of those kids start demanding socialism. And I kind of, as much as that's not the direction we wanna go in, you kind of understand where this, the corruption in the system has failed so much that they're like, well, this is impossible. Like, how could I ever get out of that? And they've also probably been on, you know, crazy psychiatric drugs. I also, for most I of also life. think there's one other issue, uh, especially among younger people, and that's hookup culture. And yeah. um, I, quite frankly, have been a good benefactor of some of this hookup <laughs> culture. But women Which, now view themselves. <laughs> <laughs> women now view themselves as, yeah, if the guys can do it, I can do it. 
And I think we can all agree there's a big difference between a guy sleeping with a bunch of women versus a woman sleeping with a bunch of men. And that's, that, that is pervasive among, amongst women. And it's, it's sort of ruining women's um, asset, right, in the marketplace. And it's- Asset value, that's right. Asset value, yeah, right. with that A-double-S-E-T, all right. But it's, it, it, men and women are not equal in that regard. You caught me on that one? It makes sense why he's single, by the way. Yeah. It totally makes sense. But I'm a man with options. Is That's the difference, any, Is there any signs you get of uh, the desire to one day get married? Yes or no? Any signs? Like, give me this much of a sign. Yes or no? Adam, no signs here. It's just a, no I've signs? Been the, I've been the benefactor of part of the hookup culture myself, <laughs> Mr. Tinder, swipe right, elite Yelper. No, no dating apps. Real, right, so in let me go to the next That's one. That's another thing. By the way, let me go to the next one until yes, you keep hooking up with these stories. Okay, all right, so next one here. All right, <laughs> Americans are moving to Japan, okay? Omurigato. For its safety and affordability. Insider story. By the way, can you guys imagine Ricky living in Japan? Yeah. Right? What would happen? <laughs> uh, what's your name? You know. The Sumo number, wrestling, maybe. The, the number of Americans relocating to Japan has seen a steady rise with 6,642 individuals making a move in 2022, the population of American uh, expat, expats in Japan has reached 60,804, a significant increase of 57,000 in 2020, according to the country's Ministry of Justice. Wow. Safety is a primary motiv motivator for Americans choosing Japan as their new home. As Veronica Hansen, who moved to Japan with her family, explains, my children had to do active shooter drills. I just exploded and said, we don't have to stay here. Let's go. The country's reputation for safety and minimal presence of gun violence uh, provides a sense of security. Affordability is another key factor driving the migration. Alex Evans, who moved to rural Mukaishima Island, emphasizes the cost advantages, saying, for a three-bedroom house, I pay 65,000 65, yen, which is the same as $463 a month. Nice. If I were in Hiroshima, my rent would be more expensive. So, any consideration of wanting to move to Japan? Ricky, I'll go to you first. I, I have a, you know what I would want to go, what I would want to see, Pat? How many of those are Japanese Americans versus just Americans? So keep in mind, this is an insider story. Right. Insider story is, is, is typically leaning left. So the, the, the story they're trying to say, I don't know if you caught two I, or no, three totally comments they it. made. I totally caught Gun, it. Gun, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, training, and, you know, yeah. I have to be careful with this and be you careful with that. So... All this stuff about America, this right. is why I want to go over there. Yeah, I, I think it's, look, here's, here's the reality behind things. I love Mexico. When we go, uh, you know, me and Erica, we have property in Mexico, we have family in Mexico. I love Mexico. And Mexico, uh, when it comes out to gun violence, is, is a lot more dangerous than America is, right? Because a lot of people don't know that you can't, uh, it's not legal to carry guns in Mexico. Uh, but yet, all the criminals in Mexico care, have the guns. And they out, sometimes, many times in, 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 in gunfights, they outdo the military in, in Mexico. Um, and so, but I would still not want to move to Mexico, though it's supposedly, you know, uh, that's home or whatever it is. It's the motherland, but I wouldn't want to go back. How come? Um, How come? Safety? No, it's, no. Uh, well, He's no, wanted. it's just because this is this is like, okay, good. You could you could you could live in Japan for four hundred bucks a month. Where's your life gonna go? What legacy you're gonna leave behind? Like, how many people are building businesses over there? You can say, wow, look what they left for their kids. Like, I'm looking at Pat right now. We went to his house to go have dinner earlier. By the way, incredible dinner, Pat. Um, I don't even know what Saturday at the beginning. It was just like a bunch of green stuff. I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to eat it, you know? Some, some meatballs. And then, and yeah, and I just saw meatballs. I'm like, I'm going for that immediately. But it was, you know, so anyway, so I'm like, you know, Pat has a couple, you know, guys, security guards here. He lives in a good neighborhood. You have to say your like his guards are his, uh, his, his 
There's people in his uh, uh, his gate before you go in. They're armed. There's people going around 24 hours like, bro, why don't you just build a business and go live in a safer neighborhood? Like, I don't have to worry about that happening in my neighborhood. I live in a gated neighborhood. It's 24-hour security. I don't ever think about, or oh, my nephew's going to get killed by gun violence. That, it's just, you, you, might, you might, the only place I would have to worry about that is where I grew up at East Bakersfield, where that makes sense. But why don't you go, instead of running away from building something big, why don't you stay where you're at, build something big, and get out of the neighborhoods that potentially can have those things happen? Because, like, this whole shooting, oh, there's guns everywhere, that's a bunch of bullshit. It's not true. Yeah, we have a lot of guns everywhere, but they also don't tell you how many times guns have prevented uh, mass murders and how they protect protected families you go to japan yeah cool bro you may they don't nobody has guns but the government can turn on you whenever you want like it's so crazy to think that giving the power the government that much power over you and some people literally want to do that is it, that's excruciating to my brain to think that that you will only want the government to have power over who controls the guns still everybody every time that that's worked out um every time that has happened has never worked out good for the population so no i wouldn't i wouldn't move i don't care I don't care if gun violence went up by 100% in America, I still wouldn't move because I could still move to a safer neighborhood and I could have security like you do. And that's it. That's, that's, and all, well, that, does it have to really resort to? Yeah, yeah, bro, we're humans. That's what it has to be resort to. People have been killing each other. Do you guys forget the first murder in human history was Adam and, e, I mean, sorry, uh, Cain and, uh, and, and Abel. It was one brother killing the other. You're never going to run away from this shit. Like, come on, get real, bro. Like, people are going to kill each other no matter where you go. So so for a second there, I thought Adam killed Eve. I was like, oh. I got to reread. I'm sure he I thought about it. I got to reread that story. I'm sure he thought, like, like think about this. That. Came in Dave, 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 Dave don't give this, this guy any ideas, yeah, bro. Dave, my name's no, Adam. No, I, I can't know. have that out of my record. Dave, think about this. The first, like, the first murder, murder in human history were God's grandchildren, literally. Hmm? They were, like, it's like Adam and Eve, then God. That was grandpa. His grandkids killed each other. And you think that you're, you're going to run away from this when this is part, part of our DNA, no matter where you go in the world. I, 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 sometimes you guys forget that Japan went to China and threw the, would, threw the babies up in the sky and would catch them with bayonets with the knives on their guns. Like, you don't know your history if you think Japan is so peaceful. I, have a, I also have a very bad history when it comes down to that. Oh, they went yeah. to China, yeah. threw them up in the air, and would catch them with the knife of their bayonets. Read your history books if you still want to move to Japan. Yeah, my father was born during World War II, and he was two years old and was taught during World War II by my older, my aunt, his older sister, how to play dead in the streets in Manila because the Japanese go through the, through the city and, and bayonet everything. Bayonet everything, am I right? The Japanese, the Japanese empire bayonets. was absolutely vicious, yeah. one of the most ruthless militaries oh, ever. Sure. They have been a lot cooler since then, but they yeah. were pretty bad. <laughs> they were pretty bad for a while, just for the record. <coughs> so during my time in the Marine Corps, I, I got stationed there for a year. So I lived in Japan for a year in, uh, in Okinawa. And uh, I can tell you this about, about uh, uh, Japanese people. They're very disciplined. Yeah. They're very kind people. Um, they, they love their family. I mean, if you talk about safety and security and education, by the way, you, you see the way Japanese teach the kids how much further advanced they are in terms of intellect and, and understanding subject matters. They're way out there. So you know, if, if you're looking at a, a, a safe country to go to where your, your money can go, I mean, people leave all the time to come to America. Yep. We're facing a time right now. People are leaving America. I can't tell you how many times in our office we do we do BOMs on a, on a weekly basis, tw twi uh, twice a week in our offices. I can tell you how many times people are saying, you know what? Let me go to uh, Panama. Let me go to Belize. Let me go to uh, uh, you know Japan, Singapore. Let me leave America because the product of America isn't as shiny and strong and attractive as it once used to be, and it hurts me because I'm a patriot. I've served this country, and I love our home. But people aren't thinking about I, I got a guy DMing right now because he's not wanting to leave Thailand. He's in Pattaya Beach, Thailand. He loves Thailand. And, and when you're looking at these, these stats, when you're looking at other countries making themselves attractive to Americans, yeah, if we, what, what do you say, Patrick? If you don't take care of your people, 
Somebody else will. Somebody yeah. else will. I'll say one thing. Uh, I love America. Like, Amen. Uh, I mean, I love this country. Born and raised in this country. Um, my great-grandparents fled the Bolshevik, Bolshevik Revolution. Grandparents fled Nazi Germany. Like, I love America. I'm so thankful that I'm born in America. You, what did Jamie Dimon say about America recently? Like, we were dealt an amazing hand. We have uh, peaceful neighbors on the north, Canada, Mexico, besides Ricky. And then we got, <laughs> we have the Atlantic Ocean, and we have the Pacific Ocean, we have capitalism, we have free markets. It's an amazing situation that we have here. And rather than cut and run and move to a different country, that's what I think is so amazing about what we do here, having these conversations. How can we improve our country? We are still the greatest country on earth, okay, by far. And it's incumbent on all of us to have these types of conversations what can we do to improve? Because the politicians are quite, on both sides are fucking it up. Their approval ratings are yep. in the dustbin. And it's, um, I think that's what's so powerful about what we do here. So um, let's figure this thing out. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm part of stories like this when you read it. You know, you have no idea how many of these guys moved there because of COVID, because of schooling, because of education, because of families because of military, because of a job yeah, opportunity, of because of, you know, uh, one of the, uh, 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 when you were in the army, people wanted to go to Japan to be English teachers and school teacher right. it was an easy job right. to have and you're right next to Okinawa, it was a good base, mm -hmm. it was a great place to find a wife, it's lesser of a hookup culture, so maybe not good for you, but uh, <laughs> Japan. But, Pat, you, you've said something that I just want to bring up. Yeah. You know, not, you don't get, get upset, you, I'm sure there's some hooking up going on there. I know you don't want to get upset about it, but. Zero, thick yeah. skin. Um, you given the restaurant analogy about America. Yes. And that still rings true. And you've also brought up the number one concern for a mother, parents, but mothers specifically, is their children's safety. For sure. Like if your kids are not yeah. safe, yeah. you're gonna move. Move Sheena neighborhoods like Ricky's talking about, yeah. move countries. The restaurant analogy I think is still a very, very good analogy that you use about America. I don't know if you wanna explain that right no, now. No. America's got a waiting room of people wanting to come here, leading the yeah. world with 41 million immigrants that are here. There's no such thing as the Russian dream or the, you know, Japanese dream or the Chinese dream, there's only the American dream, and that's gonna be there, but the part about that is we have to do our part to keep it that way. Yeah. Correct. You know, uh, uh, Yankees, they haven't won a, you know, uh, what do you call it, Championship? World Series since what? 2009, well, right? Well, they okay. just got a new owner. Hey, so yeah! Hey, that's right. Good. 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 But you think about it, you think- Pat Steinbrenner over here. You think about it, in, in any place you're in, for you to be arrogant to think it's going to be like this forever, you're a fool. Yeah. So sometimes when you and I were having this conversation together about, uh, uh, you know, I think there's three communities that are ruining America today. And we've been talking about this a lot, and I keep saying it over and over and over again. The three communities are the tolerant Christians that they're sitting around saying, well, it's okay, let them do it. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. No, it's not okay. That's not how it's supposed to be. It's the uh, uh, lazy and scared Republicans or conservatives mm -hmm. that they're not putting their money where their mouth is. You're complaining about what's going on. And look at the mainstream media. Look how much control they got. Look, look at what these guys are doing at Washington Post and at Time Magazine and at this, this, that. You got plenty of money. Why don't you go buy them out? These guys are buying them. You're yeah, not buying, buying them. They're so buying everything. Then just be quiet or compete. Get in the damn arena. Build a media company or buy a media company or buy a newspaper. Buy do something about it. If you're not, sit the you-know-what down and don't say anything. 
especially with all that money in your bank account. Because right, right. the others, if there's one thing I got from uh, uh, Anthony Weiner today is the following. Forget about where he's at. Everything about him was, well, that's a good strategy. Well, that's a good strategy. Well, that's what worked, and this is what worked. He was only thinking about strategy. It wasn't like, you know, well, that's exactly what we're going to do to win over here, and then we have to go get this person and that person. If we get this person, it was so much about strategy where the right is like, look, man, we belong to this country club. We're good with this, with that. We don't need to do all the other stuff. And then the last one is with my friend here, uh, uh, the libertarian everybody wants to see run for office, Dave Smith is to do your thing libertarians. They're also part of the problem. Because it's too much of sitting there saying, it's, it's, listen, as long as you leave me alone and you let me do what I'm doing, I'm good. The problem is, they're not leaving you alone. They're going around you to go to your kids. I asked a question today from Anthony Weiner. It was one of the most uncomfortable questions to him. I don't know, did anybody watch the entire podcast or no? Who watched the whole thing? Did anybody watch it beginning to the end? Jorge, I know you did. Do you want to repeat what I asked him? Because this is my family here, but I think if you say it, it's okay. With yeah. a straight look on my face, I look at Anthony Weiner, and can you pull up that article first before I ask this question? You know which one I'm talking about by yeah. com. Go to the word queer and pull it up. And ask him this question. He got so uncomfortable. George, you ready for this question? It's a very uncomfortable yeah, question. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable. Because if I ask you this question, you would be like, what the hell is the matter with him? So, Adam, what question did I ask him? I believe you asked him when you were 10 or 12 years old, were um, people teaching you how to... No, no, no. no, no, no. That's not what I asked him. I no. asked him right there. I, I can say it if you want. I don't care. I'll go say ahead, it. say it. You, you're talking, we were having dinner, and you said, you said, uh, uh, are, you, are you any good at doing blowjobs? And he looked at you, I guess, kind of offended and confused. Yeah, are you any good at doing blowjobs? He's like, what? He says, so if you don't, if you, it made you uncomfortable, so why would you be asking 10-year-old kids or teaching 10-year-old kids through these books how to do blowjobs? That was a question I asked him. Dang. I said, I said, do, do you and I need to learn how to give blowjobs? He looks at me like there's something wrong with it. I said, notice how uncomfortable you got? Imagine how uncomfortable it is for mothers to say, keep those books out of my kids' faces. Yeah. Go to this book here right now, Queer, that uh, this, this uh, uh, keep going down. This is what kids are reading right now in many parts of the country. Keep going up, keep going up, keep going up. Uh, keep going up, keep going up, keep going up right there. Shh. Boom. Go up a little bit. Hey, hello. Hello, here's how you do it. Go a little bit up, go a little bit up, go a little bit up. Boys with boys, boys with boys right there. Fantastic, boys. Here's how you do it. This is what happens. Yeah, so this is, and by the way, to be fair, even when I asked him, I said, would you want your kids? He says, no, I wouldn't want my 11-year-old. He's not even in it. And his immediate reaction is going to be what? No, that doesn't make any sense for this to happen. So again, but this, when we went to school, this is weird. Some of you guys right now are uncomfortable, the fact that I'm even bringing up these words, right? But because of tolerant Christians, because of lazy, lazy and Republicans. scared Republicans, conservative, and because of do-your-thing libertarians, we're here. So if we think America is going to be the greatest country forever, you are naive, you're a fool. But if we realize, like, for it to stay the greatest country, like, for example, I watch this documentary, the only documentary I've seen Dylan cry, only one. He's watched a lot of documentaries. The only one that got him emotional where, babe, you'll remember this. We were in, where were we at when he watched this? Was it Bermuda? I think we were in Bermuda. So every day he needs to, whatever hour he watches of a documentary, he gets to play 30 minutes of iPad while it's vacation time throughout the weekday. Weekends, they get two hours of iPad. Weekday, they have to watch per hour of documentary. You get 30 minutes of watching a plain iPad. So anyways, we're in B Bermuda. I said, I want you to watch this documentary. This is a day before the announcement of Yankees has happened, so I'm getting him to watch all the documentaries on the Yankees, so I need him to understand what's happening with the Yankees. And he watches this documentary of Yoki Berra, okay? 
He watches this thing. What was it called, babe? What was the name of it? Can you pull it up, Yogi Bear documentary? He comes, it ain't over. Oh, guys, you have to watch this. He comes up to me. His eyes are filled with tears. He says, Daddy, this was the best documentary ever. I said, Dilly. I said, why? I said, it's the best documentary ever. So now I haven't seen the documentary. So I come back and I watch the documentary. I'm upstairs. Jen's in the room. I'm like trying to hide away from Jen because I'm getting choked up like multiple <laughs> times. Like, what the hell is wrong with this documentary? It's so emotional with the family, relationship, all this stuff. But you know what the whole thing was about? There is pride about Yogi won as a champion. Then he won as a coach. And he was so proud of representing the jersey that when Steinbrenner fired him, he says, I will never come back in the stadium ever again. And the first time him and Don Larson, I believe, that threw a perfect game. I think I'm saying the name right. Don Larson threw a perfect game. Did he throw a perfect game? He threw a perfect game, and Yogi caught the perfect game. The day he and Don Larson come to the game for the very first time, do you know who threw a perfect game that night? David Cohen. So the first time, I think it's David Cohen, the first time he doesn't come to the stadium for 20-plus years, wow. him and the guy who were the last guys to throw a perfect game coming, that night there's a perfect game. That's He's like after the sixth. Can you imagine how emotional that is? You're like, what are the chances of this, right? It's like what you wouldn't yeah. be able to put it in a movie. Script. Dude, you wouldn't be able to put this in a movie when I'm watching like this. Like, odds yeah. of this insane, insane odds, yeah. right, for this to happen. There might be one perfect game for the whole season. For I remember all the when teams. Kenny Rogers yeah. threw a perfect game with the Texas Rangers. I was a diehard Rangers fan. But the point is, you're watching this, you're like, dude, you gotta be proud. If you played for the Yankees, you coached for the Yankees, you gotta be proud of the Yankees, right? If you were having any of the benefits of this great country called America, and this thing in one way or another changed your life, you are a coward if you don't do the fighting now. This is why I say those three communities have to understand if you don't do your part, guess what? Very soon, I would never move to Japan. What makes you think you won't move to Japan? My family moved here from Iran. I would never move to Japan. We are naive to think we will never one day move to Japan. If America is no longer what America once was, Guys, all of us may be moving somewhere. So th this is the whole reason why we you know, did what we did when we saved America by bringing back the free enterprise right, system and hope right. to American families yeah. because this is a fight worth fighting and it's gonna require everybody. And those who sit on the sidelines all of a sudden are gonna hurt this thing, this great idea that they came up with in 1776 that changed our lives, that's my only argument. We have to do our part. If we don't, this could one day be a shit show. People, yeah. people, well, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. People, what's, what's some tangible things that people are watching so, well, you know, Patrick, I don't have a podcast. And I remember in Bahamas, there's a guy that approached you in the Bahamas, and you called him out because he wants to be on this podcast yeah. to pitch his message and to pitch his product. And he said, why don't you start your own podcast? And he said, well, I don't want to lose clients. I don't want to lose business. He was there with 100 of his people. And you said, you're part of the problem. Yeah. And so what, but what can people really tangibly do to, stay in, to stand their ground and build America up to that promise where we can Dave said something very interesting. Dave says one day he's watching uh, the DNC and the RNC. I think he's watching the RNC and Ron Paul speaks. And Ron Paul speaks about the Fed. He had a book at the time, End the Fed or mm -hmm. something like that, right? He says, I watched this guy out of everybody I related to him. He says, I came back, I watched his material, yeah. I read his book, then I read all his books. Then I read all the books that he recommends to read. Then I watch Milton Friedman. Then I watch Ayn Rand. And the next thing you know, I can't get the stuff out of my head, right? Yeah. So, so the lowest thing somebody can do to start off with, when I first met Ricky, 
Ricky and I sat down. I said, Ricky, do me a favor. Tonight, before you go to sleep, watch this Milton Friedman 45-minute interview was with uh, Phil Donahue, I believe, yep. right? Mm -hmm. Do you know from that moment on, Ricky goes away on his own. <laughs> we don't have a follow-up conversation. No. The next time I saw Ricky on stage, he delivers a 20-minute message, 15-minute message, and I'm like, what the hell happened to this guy? He says, Pat, that one video, I got obsessed, and I just watched everything. And then I realized all the mistakes my parents made, Jorge Ramos, people in my community. And now Ricky is baptizing other people, and he's getting other people thinking. So step number one is, for you to actually want to go through the journey, what would you say? Well, yeah, look, I mean, I think that it's, don't ever underestimate how powerful telling the truth is. It's, it's an unbelievable powerful thing to like stand up and tell the truth. And it's an unbelievably damaging thing to bite your tongue when you know what the truth is. And I think that's the point you were getting at. I listened to that podcast the other day where you're talking about like kind of particularly for people who are like wealthy and are in a position. Look, you can't count on the guy who's like making 60 grand a year to risk his livelihood. No. You know what I mean? But if you're a guy with like millions in the bank, then like come, there's there's a little bit more of an onus on you to like you yep. can yep. step up. You can take the arrows. You know what I mean? Great like point. you're already you're already protected to some degree. So why but, did you respond to his podcast? You react to him on July 4th during the night because what you need a podcast or you recorded that podcast reaction to his point. Oh, the, well, the point, the, well, the thing that we are talking about, the the, uh, the point of these three groups who have kind of like allowed this problem to happen. Oh, no, I, you and I talked about it. I think you you were look, reacting to McGregor. Was it when? Oh, oh yes, the, yes, the yes, Douglas, yes. No, that uh, was Colonel, the, uh, Colonel yeah. Douglas McGregor. That was a great podcast as well. But just just to, to respond to that, because I I am you know a libertarian and one of kind of the more prominent libertarian uh, people out there. That I, I I did a segment on my podcast about this. That I think you're absolutely right, and I think that. Like, essentially, I'm a libertarian, and to me, what that means is that I believe people have natural rights. Like, I believe people have natural rights and that it's immoral to violate their rights, and among these rights, the right to life, liberty, property, like, you know, what I'm, essentially, what it is is the, the idea of the non-aggression principle, that violence is legitimate in self-defense, but it's not legitimate to initiate violence against peaceful people. And I also happen to recognize that Free market, cap, uh, free market capitalism leads to the most prosperous societies. We have lots of good empirical evidence on this. Look at East Germany versus West agreed, Germany, agreed. North uh, Korea versus South Korea. These are places that shared the exact same culture, the same genetics, the same everything. The only thing that was different were their economic systems, and one produces starvation and the other produces enormous wealth. It's, okay, so because you're, now what a lot of libertarians kind of got in the tendency of doing was because you have the right to do what you want to do and you have the right to do what you want to do, therefore I shouldn't care about what you're doing. I shouldn't care what you're doing with your freedom. But that's not actually, that doesn't actually logically follow. Like, it's also well within my rights to object to what you're doing, to be intolerant of what you're doing. And there has to be a certain point. Like, tolerance is good to a certain degree. You know, if there's somebody in this room who's a Christian, and there's somebody in this room who's a Muslim, and there's someone who's, who's an atheist, it's good that we all respect, hey, you have a right to that view, I respect that, you don't force your view on me, I don't force your view, uh, uh, my view on you. But you get to a certain point where we're literally talking about introducing blowjob instructions to children. And you're like, no, like there can be no tolerance of this. Zero. And the fact that it's gotten to this point yeah. demonstrates we have been way too tolerant. Yeah. Like the idea that we ever, that we were not up in arms well before this was even introduced into schools. Like, first off, I would argue that that's, that's an act of aggression. Like that's Huge. children, th yeah. this is an act of it's aggression like a on takeover. children. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
but but just aside from that, you realize that it's like there. So so where exactly is the point when we need to not be tolerant anymore? I don't know. But let me just I'd venture to say it's several steps before teaching blowjobs to yes. children. You know what I mean? Like Many steps. several steps before that is but, where but, we need but, to but be I like have, no. I have a question for you, Dave. Okay, I have a question for you though. Sure. Let me give you the flip side of it. Okay. A child giving you a blowjob. <laughs> I'm sorry, was that inappropriate? I'm a dirty comedian from New York. <coughs> that is no, the reverse. No. Let me give you the flip side of it. How about all these people? There's only one party pushing this bullshit, okay? And that's a fact. That's a fact. Okay? Well, there's one party pushing it, and there's one party being completely complicit Hold and on. allowing Let me, them to no, push no, it. I agree with you. But here's my point. My point is this. There's only one party pushing it. Not the other party's not fighting it, but one party's pushing it, okay? What about the people that keep voting for that party that keeps doing that bullshit? What responsibility do they have? You call yourself a Christian, you call yourself, you're, you know, you say that you believe in God, that you're a person of faith, but your party not only owned slaves, not only supported Jim Crow, not only uh, uh, supported the KKK, not only voted for LBJ that said, I'm going to have these ends voting Democrat for 200 years, uh, not only uh, fought the civil rights, not only did all of that, Okay, it's the same party that's pushing this bullshit. How much responsibility should people take for voting for the same party that keeps pushing this bullshit? They have 200 years of bullshit. Like, so at what point, okay, I get you, I have to fight these people off. I'm good fighting people that knowingly want to do it, that knowingly want to teach these kids this bullshit. I have a problem with also fighting people that are so goddamn stuck in their fucking ways, excuse my language, that you are still voting for these people. I don't mind fighting my real enemies. I, I hate fighting blind enemies, the ones that I can't see, that you call yourself a Christian, a head of a household, that you call yourself a leader. But you, too, you, you cannot even fathom the idea that what your auntie and your granny and your mommy taught you is complete fucking bullshit. At what point do I have to fight them, too? Why can't they wake up? Why can't they do their homework? Why can't they see what they've been doing? Why do I have to take responsibility for them as well? That's the problem that I have. So I'm good. Again, show me. I, I, you know what I ask God for one thing, David? Dave, not David, Dave. I ask God for one thing. Protect me from my friends. I can handle my enemies. Yeah. No, listen, I get your point. And look, uh, so I can't take responsibility for that, bro. Well, there's. I fight. Well, I, like, that's what, by the way, I live in California. I don't mean to interrupt you. Sure. I'm staying in California. And you know what I get asked why? Because I'm going to keep fighting that bullshit. I'm gonna, I'll pay the 50% tax so I can find my fucking running. Well, I'm staying right there, bro. I'm going to take this shit to the... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die with this. I'm going to take this all the way to the ground. So, but why do I got to fight people that call themselves Christians or Catholics or whatever religion and keep voting for the same party doing this bullshit? It's obvious who's doing it at this point. Like, why, do I, why are you still my enemy too? Like, bro, these are people you're voting for. You know what's funny? I will tell you this, and I'll end with this, David, and I'll finish with this. I told, babe, what did I tell you about uh, Rob, uh, R, R, RFK? He's the only one that I'll ever do what? Remember I told you? I said, the RFK is the only Democrat I can see myself ever voting for. I'm even willing to switch for RFK. I am not stuck so much in the conservative Republican Party. Because I see this man, I'm like, dude, this guy's solid. You know how many Democrats can't do that the other way, even though they're, they're, they're so willing to go down the There's rabbit hole with this bullshit, that. bro? There's a reason for that. I, th I think, Dave, you ought to... Break it down uh, uh, from the standpoint. So I have uh, 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 Fernando Lasso over on my place. He's from Ecuador. The singer? The famous singer, yes, yes. Fernando Lasso. <laughs> so he's at the house. He was my groomsman at my wedding. And 
One of the greatest pranks I've pulled in my life was on Fernando. Hands down, it's got to be a top 10 greatest prank. It's incredible. <laughs> if you, afterwards, after we're done, I'll tell you guys a story. It's a great prank. Anyway, so he starts talking about Korea. Korea is the guy that's going to be coming back to run against the guy that they have right now who's a conservative. Korea was the one that's like a Castro type of a figure. He's coming back, and he's probably going to end up winning the election next two months. He's super worried. He has no idea what to do. Am I going to leave? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? And he starts on, well, I've always been a Democrat, but I'm starting to think I'm a Republican, and I don't know what I am, and I'll, da, 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 da. he's kind of going back and forth. I said, Lasso, you know, it's no, longer, it's no longer about being a Democrat or a Republican. Because what you just said has nothing to do with Democrat and Republican. And, and you will take it from here, I'll give it to you, is it's more from establishment to anti-establishment. For example, Anthony Weiner is a Democrat, but he's an establishment Democrat with Hillary Clinton because she's full-blown establishment. establishment. But also the Bushes are establishment, 100%. McConnell 100%. establishment. So you can go and give a lot of Republicans that are part of the establishment. The people you have to look at are the anti-establishment candidates. Of okay, now here's a problem with the anti-establishment candidates. The anti-establishment candidates typically get assassinated or they yep. get eliminated. So if you look at anti-establishment, so you got Andrew Jackson, the first ever anti-establishment guy is Andrew Jackson. Uh, we can talk about our founding fathers going against Abraham what they did Lincoln, against Abraham, okay, Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, but Andrew Jackson. Okay, then you got Abraham Lincoln assassinated. Okay, uh, John F. Kennedy, anti-establishment. They wanted to shut down CIA. They wanted to shut down the Fed. Everything anti-establishment. Ronald Reagan, somewhat anti-establishment. Some could even say that Reagan was 50% establishment, 50% anti-establishment. Then from there, at first, people thought Obama was anti-establishment, but he ended up being, you know, establishment. Bill Clinton, well, maybe this guy's anti-establishment. Nope, he was establishment. Trump, anti-establishment. What did he want to do to Trump? So now, today, a clip with RFK comes out, and everybody's trying to bash him, trash him. Today, he's trying to defend himself, saying, hey, what are you guys doing to all this stuff that I'm doing? So the only reason you're saying, I'm willing to vote for a Democrat, you're not willing to vote for a Democrat. Ricky, you respect those that are anti-establishment. Right. So it's no longer I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican. I'm an anti-establishment person because I want to make the decision of what's best for my family. Right. I don't need you to make all the decision of what's best for my family. That's the RFK part. What would you add to that? Yeah, well, like, I think to, to your point about, like, people being responsible for who they vote for, I mean, look, I, I can't argue that. There's, yeah, to some degree, people are responsible for who they vote for. And if you vote for somebody who's really awful, particularly if they've already been enacting these horrible policies, and then you continue to support that person or that party, there's there's... Definitely some responsibility that falls on you for that. I do tend to focus more of my outrage toward the powerful people who are intentionally inflicting this on Americans and have a little bit more sympathy for, look, the, the fact is that there's just been like, it's not as if Democratic voters just say, woke up one morning and decided to think it was a good idea to force the vaccine on, on everybody in the country. There was a massive propaganda campaign where they were really fooled. I mean, like, they genuinely believed they were listening to the expert science class. And yeah. look, man in a suit on CNN told me that this doctor is giving me all of the right information. Now, I'm, now do they have some level of responsibility for that? Sure, absolutely. But I also think that there is, look, watch what happened with Donald Trump. The way Donald Trump just almost 
look, for people who are at least our age, for younger people maybe not uh, recognize this as much, the way he snapped the Republican base out of, you have to support every foreign war. Like they were, I mean, if you talked to your average Republican voter in 2007, and you said like, oh, I don't think we should have fought the war in Iraq, Afghanistan, I don't think we should be fighting any of these wars. They were like, what are you, some type of loon? What are you, some left-wing hippie? Everybody knows that we had to go fight these wars and we had to do this because we love our country. And in one second, Donald Trump gave all of them permission to just be like, no, you don't have to believe that. Hey, you were lied to. And they went, oh, you know what? We were kind of lied to about that. And I, I give Ron Paul a lot of credit for this, too. I think Ron Paul standing Ron Paul up there and, say, and saying this in 2008 and 2012 led the way for Donald Trump to come out and, and say it. And I think, in a way, look, RFK is polling consistently at about 20% within the Democratic base. And he represents a complete repudiation of everything Biden stands for. I mean, Biden's biggest policies were the vax mandate and this crazy war in Ukraine. And RFK is like, yep, completely against both of those. I, like, I agree with you, but here's the thing, though. If JFK was alive right now, would he be a Democrat? Well, it, it, a no, party, it's a serious it's a, question. Well, I know, but it, well, it's impossible to know for sure. No, but what, I think, according, he, he has a picture with the gun. He, protect, he, well, he was anti-establishment. The, the party is, has definitely changed. The 100%. party is not in the what same I'm, place what I'm that it was. That, what I'm getting at is that it's always one party that has the most of this bullshit going on. And that's just a fact. No, I agree well, with listen, your saying. Listen, no, well, I'll give you pushback on that because I'll tell you that, look, immediately in, in the aftermath of 9-11, the Republicans were absolutely horrible on a national level. I Although mean, I the George W. You, Bush administration. Like, for the schools. We're let's not get away from the subject. The schools. Yes, yes, no, but I'm not federal level. We're talking about a local level. But, I know, no, I know, no, but no, let me just, just hear out. The reason why Dave jumped in, you said the one side has always been on the wrong side. No, no, and I said they've always pushed a lot of this bullshit. Yeah, well, but yes, the but other I side, I'm making, the, I'm wrong making the point that there's evolution with these parties, right? So at the time, at, while George W. Bush and Dick Cheney were instituting torture, they were pushing us into disastrous wars, it was actually the Democrats who were saying things, like which Obama was saying, which part of the reason why he got elected, even though he didn't follow through on any of it, that we should repeal the Patriot Act, we should close Guantanamo Bay, we shouldn't get involved in all these stupid wars. This was a message that was very appealing to a lot of voters. But it was all a lie. Well, whether it, it was, turned a, out, it whether it was a lie or whether he just Because they, they were spying on their opposition, yeah. and we know this. No, no, no. no. Well, this is, now you're fast-forwarding to 2016. But whether it was a lie or whether Obama got rolled by powerful interests, I don't know for sure. But quite, either way, he didn't govern that way. I'm just making the point that the parties kind of flipped on this issue of yeah. war. And now the Democrats are much more of the war hawk uh, uh, party than they were back in, in the wake of September 11th. And so... What's the, one of the things that's fascinating about RFK, and I think one of the reasons why a lot of people get upset when he's got some of his bad liberal positions, like he's liberal on affirmative action or he's liberal on some of these other... Yeah. I'm almost like glad he has those because I don't want him to be a right-winger. I want him to be the best liberal. I want somebody to try to bring the liberals back. And look, we can have contempt for the half of America that votes for the, the Democratic Party, but that is, a, that is half of the voting base in America. And if we can't try to make them better, we're going to have a major problem and in, I, I, in this country. Good point. I want to add something before we move on to, to the next uh, uh, topic here. You said, I'm going to stay in California till what? Till they burn it down or something like that? I'll, I'll, I'll burn with California. Okay, perfect. So you said that. All right. And, and, and you know, all the people that jump ship or whatever you said. No, I, okay. don't, I don't have anything against but them. I guess out. that's my goal. But I, I totally get it. But hear me. I, Some I, people, that's not their goal. That's I don't, my goal. I don't think it really is your goal. I think you're saying it. It's a good motivational thing to say. But I don't believe 
Uh, that's how you're going to think when you have kids going through certain places. Hear me out. Right now. Let, let me just say yeah, this. Of course, I, right I just now. want to give you the message for yeah. you to be thinking about it. Process, you're a guy that knows how to reason, and we, are, mm -hmm. we have some of the best conversations always together. That's why I love talking to you. When we go anywhere, you and I are always talking to each other, yeah. the best conversations. So here's how you have to process that. Um, why did you leave East Baker, Bakersfield? Definitely, I, I need to get away from the bad neighborhoods. Definitely. Why not? Why, why don't you ride or die in East Baker, Bakersfield? No, I, I, no, I agree. Okay, I agree. so so did your did your dad make a good move leaving Mexico to go to Baker? Hundred percent. So he made the right uh, uh, you know choice as yes. a father, right? Okay. Yes. Are you glad he made that choice? hundred percent. How different would your life have been if you were gonna be staying in Michoacan growing I up? Would, I would probably be probably be dead by now according to the state one of my cousins there i'll be dead already so you have to know that the one part that one thing that we don't know is trust me you know how many places i'm in right now mm -hmm. how many places do you think i'm in right now where am i at right now here no I'm in, but you're I'm in, in five million, different no, places of course no i'm in five places five because my wife is here so i don't have to worry about where she's at right when she's not around i'm in six places of course but i'm in five places because i got my four other kids right right to see where they're at when there was no wife and there was no kid, I'm in one place. Of course. And it's easy peasy. Of I ain't course. gotta worry about it. I'm good to go. Life changes the mm -hmm. moment that little kid you hold in your hand and it's looking at you crying and you're gonna call it Ricky or whatever name you're gonna give your son mm -hmm. or your daughter, it's gonna immediately change for you. All you're gonna think about is what you can do to give the best life for this kid. Decisions change in a very big way of when course. that takes place. So. For me, for now though, this is where I'm at. I, I, I would like you, for you to sign a lease of an office space as well, but that's a different conversation. So that, that was a personal shot. I, I got seven but, offices but, over there. I get it, but I need you to have your own as well. Like over there. Nah, I need you to have your own as well, but that's a different conversation. So go, going, going back to it. I got all, seven more than a lot of people. He's always poking, man. He's always poking. All I'm saying to you is, all I'm saying to you is this part. <laughs> and, then, and then the other thing I want, you to, I want you to kind of be thinking about this, I want to go to you with this one. This is one that I've been thinking about a lot. Is Haas here or no? Is, is, is Haas here? No. Haas is not here. Okay. He didn't really not qualify. Are you guys being serious or no? Seriously? Is this a joke or is this serious? When was like, okay, cool. Well, Haas. So to me. He's watching, Pat. He's me, watching. Let, I know he is. I'm a, I'm a big Haas fan. He's, he's an absolute stud. Him and his wife, Naveen, are incredible people. But this is one thing I want to say that's becoming very weird for me. What next thing I'm going through. So my parents, they got married, both Christians. One was a communist, the other one was a Republican. You know, the, the other one was an imperialist. imperialist yeah. They got divorced twice. But they were both Christians. Interesting. Huh. So when people would ask me to say, hey, what counsel can you give on marriage? I would say, if you can do double, which is what? Same faith, same political beliefs, you increase the chances. Of course, you got to have magic, enjoy each other's company, attracted to all the other stuff. But I'm just saying philosophically, okay? I can only imagine if Jen was a socialist. <laughs> it would never, because no, it work. she wouldn't let me raise the boys the way I want to raise them. Right. The other day we were at dinner with Tom. Tom will remember this. We're at dinner to celebrate Kim's uh, uh, birthday, and we were, a very private conversation we were having. He knows exactly what it is. And in one of the moments, she's in tears. We have to make a very big decision in our life. It's not an easy one. It's a very hard one right now we're going through. And she just looks and Tom says, what are you thinking about this whole thing? And she says, Tom, I trust my husband. I trust whatever he says, this is what we're going to be doing. Because his decisions have been great with me, and I trust where he's going to take our family. Let me tell you, if she would have been any other way, I can't stay married. We've been married 14 years. I think we'll make it to 15, OK? We take it one year at a time. 
And this has been the message since the day we got married. We take it one year at a time with marriage. We don't have this, I will never, da, da, da. Stop it. Stop being so arrogant and acting like you're God that you can predict the future. The more it's about one year at a time, I believe, the more you're going to work into it, improve, and kind of feel like you have to do your part. But I have to earn that respect for of my course. wife. Okay, so watch this. Here's what's been happening, which is kind of weird. So my community, we, we did a podcast one time. A guy, uh, uh, it was the first one or the second one. A guy was Muslim. What do you think about the Muslim community? How about us Muslim conservatives? And in your mind, you're like, well, shoot, you know, Muslim, you know, there's a da 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 Okay, great. No problem. So let's go a little bit deeper. My dad, when my sister's getting married to Siamak, and his family wants to come because he wants to ask for, you know, her hand. My dad and I got into a massive argument. And he says, you're OK with your sister marrying a Muslim? Are you OK with your daughter marrying a Muslim? I said, Dad, I would be OK. I would be more OK with my sister marrying a Muslim where they share all the other common values than I am her marrying a, an Assyrian who disrespects her, doesn't yep. treat her well, and they don't have the same values. Yep. Now, they got married. They did a Baha'i ceremony in the wedding, and they did a Christian ceremony in the wedding. Behind closed doors, it was World War III, but we acted very well. Okay? So there's politics in, in, in relationships and all that stuff. What's the moral of the story? I think there's something crazy going on right now. Can you imagine if conservative Muslims, Christians, Jews, Scientologists, Catholics, Jehovah, Seventh-day, LDS, Atheist, Mormon, Mormon LDS, yeah. If these guys come together, they're like, look, man, who you believe in? I believe in L. Ron Hubbard. More power to you. Who you believe in? I believe in Jesus. Who you believe in? I believe in Abraham. I believe in this. Who you believe in? I believe in Virgin Mary. I believe All good, man. I believe in Joseph Smith. Listen, to each his own, we can have that debate at a whole different time. But right now, do you believe they should keep these books out of school? There you go. Check, I do. Do you believe we should get married and have kids after getting married and do the check. Do you believe we should check? Do you believe in these principles? Do you believe we need to stay strong in our country? Yeah. Do you believe? I do. Hey, guys, can we just come together? Because do you know, crazy stat, 70% of Muslims vote Democrat. Did you know that? Let me say this one more time to you. 70% of Muslims vote Democrat. Why do they vote Democrat? You know why? One reason. One reason, because Republicans are known for being what? Pro-Israel. I know America is typically pro-Israel, but it's more on the Republican side, right? So why are the, what, what value of the Demo, you know, the side of all this stuff, what values of those do you think Muslims agree with? None. None. So watch what happened in the last midterms. You ready? Crazy number. 2000, excuse me, 2018 midterms. Only 17% of Muslims voted Republican. 2022 midterms, 28%. Muslims are up 11%. So watch what's going on right now. If we sit there and say, man, I've always had this animosity or not even animosity. What's the word? Stereotype or whatever. No, by the way, some of the stereotypes are right. We had, some of them are absolute, terrorists and Middle Easterners. Okay, you know, fine. People joke with me. You know, typically about somebody saying, that's a terrorist black guy, you know, just, just, you know that don't, kind of doesn't go together. It's mainly from one place. So we did this video measuring what are the top five angriest countries in the world. You know what number one was? Lebanon. Number two was Turkey. You know what number three was? Which makes all the sense in the world, Armenians, okay? So it's Lebanon, 
These are some pissed off people right now. Yeah. Now it makes sense for a lot of people saying, no yeah. wonder Pat's pissed off. As <laughs> I'm Armenian, though. Yeah. What do you want me to do? And the Armenians were pissed off that they weren't number one. Turkey, because Turkey's right above them, right? Ooh, especially but, but when you go look at the data, you're like, okay, some of this stereotype makes sense. But what if, like, all the people that kind of got conservative values that are not getting to 35, 38, 40 years old, got kids going to private school, you're like, now you're going to. What if we unite? Yes. You got the cross, all good Come dog. On. You got nothing, no problem. You got Dianetics, do your thing. You got the Quran, let's unite to defend our kids against this madness. By the way, if that happens, oh my God. Go ahead and say something to Muslims. And the Muslim's gonna say, go ahead and say something to my Christian brother, go ahead. Do, do you notice what happens on now the dynamics? There's a synergy going on. And once you bring synergy with the people that they have for decades wanted to keep divided, because the more divided we are, the more they can control us, the more we realize, listen, mm -hmm. what do you think about all this stuff? Yeah. Like if, the, if this were to happen with these communities? Well, I, no, I think you're really onto something. I also think to some degree it is happening. And it's not just like the, the numbers you, you mentioned with Muslims, but even if you look at, look, Trump in 2020 was way up with his share of uh, the black vote, way up with his share of the Latino vote from his presidential election in 2016. And a lot of this stuff is just... Um, it's simply just the left overplaying their hand and pushing a lot of people away. Like, you know, the idea that, like, you, you know, there's still, there's a lot of black people and Latinos who are like, yeah, I don't really like lockdowns and riots. Like, I don't really like that mixed with this crazy sexualization of children. Like, right. that, you know what I mean? And th what's interesting about this idea, right, is that so the Democratic base is kind of like this random collection of different, like, minority groups who they all kind of push together. And this, you'll hear Democrats talk about this. They'll, be, you know, they'll say things like, the disenfranchised people, or you know, um, something like that. You know, they'll be like, uh, African Americans and Latinos, the LGBTQ community. And you're like, first, why are those all lumped together? The like, like there's there, there is nothing in common in these communities. There's no reason. Like I don't know if you've like like I, I grew up in Brooklyn. I kind of had, like was around a diverse group of people. Like going to the hood and start talking to black people about LGBTQ people. And tell me what kind of responses you get. You know what I'm saying? Like it makes no sense. So they have this like kind of loose coalition and it's all built around, well, they're the racist white people. Of they're course. oppressing Bunch you. And therefore you should all be voting this way because of that. But it's very loose. Like there's nothing that really ties them together. Look, even LGBT, there's nothing that really ties them together. They, they talk is about totally it. different from well, the they, they talk about the it like it's a community. First off, they're not a community. They're, they're not, not an organic community. They're amongst all of us. There's like gays and lesbians are not really any more together than like straights and gays are. In fact, you could argue they're polar opposites. You know what I mean? Like um, transgender has nothing to do with being gay or lesbian. No. It's a completely different thing. So they kind of force all of these groups together, but it's just held on to by these kind of like vague lies about how there's this like oppressive racism that's out there that But Dave, that was you. my point that I was but, making well, earlier. Yes, but there's my only point one is that, party doing that. Well, yes, that. I agree yeah, with you that. that. There's, that's one, only there's one party, party doing pushing that. the woke stuff and there's another party that's impotent to kind of yeah. stand up against it. I agree with you on that. But what you're proposing here, Pat, is much more of like, actually, let's pull a lot of those groups together, but around something. 
like around a common view, yeah. around a belief that like, hey, listen, we're opposed to this woke insanity. We don't want this being pushed on our children. We believe in free market cap capitalism. We believe in, in individual liberty. We don't believe in fighting wars all over the world while our own country is falling Safety apart. Safety protection for like, our families. Yeah, yeah. Like, like if we could just come together on those issues, mm -hmm. I think that could be a very strong coalition. Also, I'd add in the fact that there are, at what the RFK wing kind of represents, is that like there are there is this camp of good liberals who are waking up mm. and or good leftists who are waking up who didn't buy the woke stuff that does exist if you don't think so like they all they all call them right wingers now but people like Glenn Greenwald and Jimmy Dore and RFK, Murray, yeah, Joe Rogan, yeah, Joe, right, Joe Rogan is a liberal. You yeah. know what I mean? They they consider him like some he was far vote right for winger. Would, yeah, you, would you put Bill Maher in that in that camp? Yeah, I think I think he's I think he's he's somebody who's kind of in that camp who's who's waking up to the insanity. But all of those guys, like we we also got to find areas where we have agreement with them on. I'm not saying we're going to agree with them on everything, but you got to find areas of agreement and. That I think there's a lot of potential in that, and and by the way, we have no choice. We got to try to save this country. Like Pat was saying before, it's like, look, this is the greatest country in, in the history of the world. We're still the greatest country in the world, despite all the problems that we have right now. But that's not just because like we're on magical land or something. What like are we that. saving it from? It's because Dave? what are we saving it from? Yeah. Well, the enemies of liberty. Well, who are the enemies of liberty? Huh? Who are the enemies of liberty? Tyrants. Who are the and tyrants? Why, you want like their last names? No, no, I'm just like, who are they? How do I, no, 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 the reason I ask this question is because I, pe the people that are watching, some of them are so oblivious that they don't know who's who. So like, well, if okay. You're, okay, I'm new to this, to, this, to this subject. Let's say I'm new to it. You and me are not new to it. I'm new to it. Who, who's the enemy? Who's the tyrant? Well, just define them. Well, I mean, look, you can. You like, can, you know, what is a woman? What is a tyrant? Well, a, a tyrant is anybody who is, is violating people's individual liberty. And so right now, there's no question that it's, it's hard to even say Joe Biden. It's the people around Joe Biden who are pu pushing these, these insane policies. But look, you have entire, what, what we have, what we've seen through COVID, what we've seen through uh, the last 20 years of war, you have these, th this unholy alliance between private interests and government power. 100%. Yeah. Where you have the military industrial complex, they have this entire system where weapons companies are funding think tanks that then lobby for wars based off lies, right. which rake in hundreds of billions of dollars for those weapons companies. Same with pharmaceutical companies, same with the entire banking complex, where you have this in insane system where every freaking treasury secretary is a former Goldman Sachs employee, and then just happens to, you know, like, uh, uh, um, has policies that benefit all the banks that they're a part of. You got Jenny Yellen in the Fed Reserve saying so, war will stimulate the economy. Yeah, yes, war and abortion will stimulate the economy, according to Janet Yellen. Um, so what, what needs to be done is there has to be an actual draining of the swamp. This is what Donald Trump promised, and this might rub some people the wrong way, but this is what he failed to deliver on. Okay? Now, at least he promised, at least he talked about it, but there's really no question that he did not deliver on that. The swamp still exists. The swamp swallowed up Donald Trump much more than Donald Trump ever drained the swamp. So what we need, I believe, is like we need a mass awakening of as many American people as possible. That's why I think shows like this are so important. And what we need are, it's kind of like a three-pronged strategy, okay? Like we need, um, we need a mass awakening of people. We need elites to get in the game. I'm talking about very wealthy people, very influential people. A good example of this is what Elon Musk just did with Twitter. Mm -hmm. Not everybody can do that. Not mm -hmm. everybody, what did he uh, buy it for, was it? 40, 44 billion dollars. Not everybody. If you asked me to come up with 44 billion, I'd need a few weeks. You know what I mean? Like I, 
Elon was able to come up with Couple it pretty phone calls. quick. Right. <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd have to call a lot of friends. Um, <laughs> if I can add to that, but you need to. Not anyone can do that. And then just about, and the other strategy is going to have to be some type of political strategy. I'm a big fan of local. Uh, political power, there you nullification go. on a there local level. Yeah. Make sure you have, you know, it, it's it's going to be tough to get the perfect president in there, but you could get a damn good sheriff in, a damn good city councilman, exactly. take over your local school. On so a local that's level, you need to know yeah, who we can support a local candidate. I think that's so important. Well, look, okay. even DeSantis is a, is an example of this. Where look, DeSantis really did something on a state level. Uh, that really mattered, yeah. you know, like was the most important thing for your liberty in 2020 and 2021 was not what your president was doing, it was what your governor was doing. Yep. And that's true on local levels as well. But the other thing is that we're just gonna need, it's gotta be like Donald Trump level of like bravado, but with somebody who's actually read a book about something once <laughs> and like knows what they're talking about. If Sorry I if I alienated some of the Trump fans here. About to get but Donald Trump has seen a show about a lot of things but he hasn't read a book about a lot of things. And that's why he gave us Anthony Fauci for all of 2020. Because he was like, well, I'm told he's a great guy. Well, number one, America is the only country in the world that is founded on an idea. Every other country in the world was founded on where geographic location, where you're at, where you're at. America was founded on an idea, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. We don't need a king or a ruler to basically dictate what we do, America. And, and so, he did just, I, I, sorry, yeah. but even more specific than that, that go, like very specifically in the Declaration of Independence, that we, this is self-evident according to God, he Correct. wants men to be free. Yeah. That's Correct. the starting point of the United States of America, is that I'm starting with God wants me to be free, and the only reason why government exists is to protect my freedom. Correct. It's an unbelievable starting point for a country. It's not a coincidence that that was our starting point, exactly. and this became the most successful country in world history. Exactly. And then to Ricky's point, you asked, like who the tyrants are, I would respond with anything with the word big in it. Big tech, big pharma, big military industrial complex, big government, big lobby, anything with the big, anything with big that is consolidating power. Okay, and the list can go on from that. Now, on a local level, brother, on a local level, who is your enemy on a local, who's a tyrant on the local level? City council, mayor, governor. School boards. School boards. Who's yeah, my yeah. enemy? Who is my enemy? And where do they lean? That's all I want to know. Who's my enemy? How do you vote? You're my enemy. Hey, I'm a local. I'm talking, I can't fight high, uh, big tech. I can't fight big pharma. Not right now, I can't. Well, so who's my enemy and where do you this vote? This is where we differ, Ricky, because in Florida here, it's a very purple state. I don't have enemies here. I have my neighbors. I have my friends. I have people you, I might disagree you are, with. You have in California, Floridian Ricky. Privilege. You have Floridian you, privilege. Uh, damn right. Okay, so in California, so fucking who move out of California if you don't, if you're, if you just, don't want that I'm privilege. I'm just explaining to you. I understand. Who's my and enemy is, in, in California? Well, in California, you have enemies because you're you're one of... 33% of Californians who agree with you, where you have 67% of people who are like, fuck you, I'm going woke agenda. And that's what California is falling apart. Even so though the they have a top five. So, so the tyrants are clear. There is a clear line. You can't tell me I can't see my city councilman. You can't see that I, I can't say a So get involved, Ricky. I'm, I'm just asking. So No, it's not for me, bro. I know. So get for involved. For the people that don't know, who is your local tyrant? I don't, I don't know. My, my, we don't have a local tyrant. Miami, I, I, have, I have Mayor Francis Suarez, I, who's our buddy, and he's I'm awesome fucking mayor. Yeah, but your audience, the people are watching this, is not just in Florida, bro. It's all over the country. But that's where it's I live. You're asking world. about local. So who's okay? So yes, I don't know what's going on in California. So that's who, for who you to figure out. Who would be a local enemy? I don't have local enemies. That's my point. So I can't see where they publicly vote and then realize that's my enemy if they're voting for the same bullshit everybody else wants. Let's talk. Let's talk about a few things. Here. Can, Let's I, can I just add one thing? Go for it. And, and this is, I think, is very important of what you were talking about about conservative Muslims and all this and, and everything with that. Tony Red. I think I am. Um, it's hot in here and I need some water. 
But the point is this. America is changing exponentially. <laughs> I got water. We're good. There you go. America is changing exponentially. 50 years ago, if I asked you this question, rank the following thing. I've done this on my show multiple times. Rank the following three things in the order of which is most important to you of who you would marry. Race, religion, or politics. Race would be number one. A black and a white guy. Oh, my God. Oh, you know, a black woman and a white guy. A black. Oh, my God. Now, it's the exact opposite. We see mixed race couples, no problem. Zero people have issues with that. Number two is religion. Okay, Jews, Muslims, whatever, this, that, Christians, this, Buddhists, yeah, maybe, you know, Hanukkah, Christmas, whatever. But by far and away, the number one thing today is kind of what Pat was saying, is that imagine a capitalist Republican MAGA person marrying a socialist woke Democrat. It just wouldn't it's happen. A, and I would say the woke thing even more than the socialist thing. Like, it's, it'd be one thing to be like a capitalist with a socialist would still be pretty tough, but could you, I, I just can't even fathom being married to like a social justice warrior type <laughs> chick. Right. Like, I don't, I don't understand. I don't think we could get through an hour. Right. Like, there's just, there's no possible way. It's like Dave so Chappelle. That could you know what I mean? Like, it's how Dave, that even if he work? wants to be a girl yeah. at four years old, let him be a girl. Affirm, affirm, affirm this is their transition. Work. It's like D Dave Chappelle used to do a skit about, you got to have mutual interest, baby. It's like, I can't be going to church. You can't be smoking crack. Like, we, that's just not how it works. Okay? So, like, that, that's where we're at in society today is that the right and the left are so far removed from each other. And I actually agree with Ricky on the Democrats, especially in California. The left has gone so freaking far left. And you're talking to a guy, my dad had a picture of JFK growing up. I'm like, yo, JFK, that's my guy. I already got shot in the head where I could keep it moving, but he banged Marilyn Monroe. Cool, whatever. And then I was raised in that classic liberal type of environment. And then Obama came in and it's like, all right, so the White House is now gay now. All right, cool. And that's like... And then all of a sudden this trans stuff, I'm like, I'm, not, I'm, I'm a dude who likes to play football. What's this trans thing? Like, so it takes like liberals to be like, like Bill Maher, for example, or a Joe Manchin, for an example, who are Democrats, but they're like, yeah, we're not, we're not down for all this kind of stuff. And, and the, the, the Democratic Party has sprinted so far left, so far left that it's unrecognizable at this point. And the problem is, like, you hit the nail on the head. George W. Bush ruined the Republican Party. That's the reason why... Why? Um, oh, it's, listen, it's the reason why it's, Donald it's the Trump reason why was elected. So many he, he cut down well, it's Jeb also, Bush. It's also partially responsible for why we went. You know, when you're talking about how the left went so out of control, you know, a lot of this was because the George W. Bush administration ended in such disaster yes. that it was almost like they had no seat at the table anymore. I mean, look, Do you know that he had the highest was, and lowest approval yes, ratings of every yes. president. When, oh, after 9 11, yeah, he had he the had highest approval rating. Percent and look, rating. also, at the time he was out of office, it was like 20%. This, this might be almost harder for, I think, younger people. You know, like I go, I, I do a lot of shows and I, I have a young audience. So I'll talk to like 20 year olds and stuff. And they don't really, you know, they were like babies when this was happening. They're but babies now. Well, yeah, but they, but they don't like remember it. I'm saying that there's, you almost feel like there's, the left just controls the broader culture. But this actually was not the case immediately following 9-11. The culture had a very right-wing mood to it. It was very much about like patriotism and hierarchy and military and go America, which was a natural response to being attacked, you know? And it was very much like, and essentially 
The American people, as you mentioned, the highest approval ratings in, since we've been recording, presidential approval ratings. The American people gave George W. Bush a blank check yep. to fight this yep. war on terrorism. Yep. They go, you have whatever war you want, whatever action you want, whatever policy you want. Yep. If you want to grope us at the yeah. airports, if you want to torture people, Enter the Patriot you, want to Act. Open, you want to open Guantanamo Bay, the Patriot Act, the Department of Homeland Security being created, whatever you want. And, and he spent this blank check on two wars in Iraq and Afghanistan that led to the deaths of uh, over a million people. And what, what we got for it in turn was our bravest young men blowing their brains out by the tens of thousands at the, at the price tag of trillions of dollars and the region completely destabilized anyway. Just nothing but, I mean, Lockheed Martin and Raytheon got a lot out yeah. of it. You know, there's a whole bunch, if you look in uh, Washington, D.C., there's a whole bunch of millionaires out there uh, in Washington, D.C. who did very, yeah. who did very yeah. well Pat off of it. I talked about yeah. this the but, other day, the, the, the zip codes with the highest, uh, what is it, incomes? Every crime, yes. that the zip code with the highest crime in every category, it doesn't matter, a burglary, you're talking about murder, everything, the highest, number one, yeah. is D.C., but the city also, with the most people making over $200,000 a year, yeah. is D.C. And all of them are making That's it because the they're in some, country, way, some way politically connected. In the entire connected. country, including New York, in yeah. including L.A., Newport Beach, Miami, D.C.'s number one, most people making over $200,000 per year. So, but anyway, just to my point, so then after, and of course, now this, so this is what we get out of George W. Bush's blank check. And then on top of that, his, his, uh, his presidency ends with the worst financial crash in a hundred years. Yeah. So it was just like, so like it was like so obvious. So, and, and this is why Barack Obama is elected because he was the most anti-George W. Bush thing that people could think of, right? And then o Obama comes in and continues all of the Bush policies after running on, I'm going to repeal all of these policies. And then, oh, and, and look, there was a pivot. It was right, it was in 2012. Okay, it was when Obama was running for re-election. And what did Obama come out and say for his re-election campaign? Did he come out and say, hey, look, remember I told I you I would close Guantanamo Bay? And I did it. No, he couldn't say that. Did he say I ended the war in Iraq? Nope. No, he couldn't say that. Did he say we're not torturing people anymore? Did he say we're not dropping bombs? No, in fact, by this point in 2012, not only had Obama continued the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, he had also launched a stupid regime change war in Libya. He was starting to fund a civil war in Syria. And he, uh, well, he had the drone bomb campaigns in Yemen and Pakistan. So what did he say? He's got this base of liberals who he hasn't done anything that he promised. So what did he say? I'm for gay marriage. I'm the first right. president who's ever been for gay marriage. And they put the White House up with the pride flag colors. And if you go look at the, look, this, was, this was a concerted effort from the top. You can go look. There are these nexus charts where you can map out words in major publications. I'm not talking about mom and pop news outlets. I'm talking about the New York Times, the Washington Post, like the big dogs. Go track how many times the word racism was mentioned. And around 2012, it shoots up. Yep. Social justice shoots up. Transgenderism shoots up. White privilege shoots up. This was forced on the American people. Why are we having these conversations now? No, the people did not wake up one day and decide, we want to have a national conversation about chicks with dicks. That didn't happen. This wasn't an organic movement. It was all of the most powerful people decided this is what we're going to talk about. And why was that? Because th it's the perfect, look, when you're failing on policy, you pivot to a culture war. Yep. You pit people yep. against each other, so they're fighting each other. Yep. We had in this country, we had an Occupy Wall Street movement where leftists were standing outside of big banks screaming, we are the 99%. 
right-wingers had a populist movement called the Tea Party, where yep. they were outraged about the bailouts of big banks, yep. unsustainable debt, government spending. They don't like that. That's not what the powers that be like. You're getting too close. Look, they like you fighting about issues like abortion. Now, I'm not saying abortion isn't a very important issue. It's a very important issue. But the, us fighting about that issue doesn't scare anyone at the Federal Reserve. It doesn't scare anyone in the CIA. They don't care if you fight about that issue. They love you fighting over transgender bathrooms. Yep. They have no and you can see this every day. They're stoking this culture war because they have to to distract from the fact that they completely failed on everything else. That everything in the 20th century so far for America politically speaking has been a disaster. It's what like have distracted they handed us? with a submarine? Huh? They distract you with the submarine, but the obvious stories are going like that. Well. They love stories like that. Yeah. CNN loves an airplane crashing. They love yeah. something where it'll get clicks and no powerful people will be upset about it. If they actually loved real stories that just got clicks, there's a lot of stories that get clicked. They've been passing them up for years. It's part of the reason why shows like this, shows why Joe, like Joe Rogan, are taken off because they can run stories. Hey, do you think that like people getting vaccine injured is not a story that would generate a lot of views? For CNN, the vaccine that the government just mandated has hurt all of these people. That's a huge story. Why won't they run it? Because all their commercials are freaking pharmaceutical companies. Yep. They don't want to piss off powerful interests. So they're not in the game of that. So they have to create something for you to be afraid of. You know, right. white supremacist terrorism is everywhere. You know, like we talked about the tyrants, big pharma. Oh yeah, right? we huge, say this. We, we talk about this on podcasts all the time, right, Pat? There's two countries in that the world. Rant that rant was. Uh, listen, I'm still on that. That rant, was amazing. Man. That was. Make some noise for Dave, yeah. man. I was unbelievable <laughs> on what, what was you amazing. just said there. Thank but, you. You know, I want to go to the next yeah. story. I want to go to the next story. I, I I will tell you guys, the last rant, what it did confirm that the biggest threat to America is no longer chicks with dicks. That was very important <laughs> to know that. Thank you for don't that. Don't ask, don't tell. Hold on, it's it's you didn't let me finish yeah, the rant. <laughs> it, it gets there. Uh, so now next, it is one, next one, I want to talk about what's going on in Hollywood. Anybody following what's going on in Hollywood with the strikes? Are you, are you, who, who has no clue what's going on in Hollywood with strikes? Okay, this is pretty big. Uh, Ron Perlman, who played Hellboy, he played in Hellboy, and what's the other one he was in? He, uh, he, he was in Beauty and the Beast back in 1987. He was the Beast. And then the other character was who? Uh, uh, Brandon, what was it? Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy. Okay, so Ron Perlman makes a video. And he calls out this man that's making $27 million a year. Right now, guys, in Hollywood, it's absolute shambles. May, 11,500 people right from the Writers Guild went on strike, which means, Rob, if you want to go on Google, YouTube right now, 11,500 writers went on strike in May. The last time Jimmy Fallon has done an episode was in May. The last time uh, Stephen Colbert did an episode was in May. The last time Jimmy Kimmel did an episode was in May because there is no writer. So go on YouTube and go to Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon's episode. It's the best of. It's the best of. It's the best of. Two months, no shows, right? No movies, no shows, no streaming, nothing. Everybody's on lockdown. Then this week, July 14th, 150,000 members from SAG went on strike. So now there's 160 1,500 people in Hollywood who are not working. And by the way, if you're part of SAC, you can't have another job. So, for example, we were inviting, Rob, who were we inviting here that said James he can't? Woods. James Woods. James Woods said, I can't work. I'm part of SAC. So he can't even come on the podcast to speak because Even that's considered work? James is camp emailed wow. Rob back saying, I can't wow. because I'm part of SAC. So watch this. While this is going on, Hollywood has got all these issues. Ron Perlman and others respond, but his one is the most entertaining one. 
uh, brace for impact. There's a lot of curse words, but he's talking about somebody, and I'll highlight to you who he's talking about. Go ahead. Thing before I get off this, the motherfucker who said we're going to keep this thing going until people start losing their houses and their apartments. Listen to me, motherfucker. There's a lot of ways to lose your house. Some of it is financial, some of it is karma, and some of it is just figuring out who the fuck said that, and we know who said that, and where he fucking lives. There's a lot of ways to lose your house. You wish that on people. You wish that families starve while you're making 27 fucking million dollars a year for creating nothing. Be careful, motherfucker. Be really careful. Because that's the kind of shit that stirs shit up. Peace out. Obviously, he held back from, you know, really showing his emotions, which was very noble of him. Definitely restrained. But, so we're sitting there figuring out who this $27 million guy he's talking about. So type in, uh, I go online, I'm like, I'm thinking he's talking about this guy. We Google Kelly. We're in the room. It's me, you, and who? Brandon, right? We're in the room. Uh, was Maverick in the room or was Mike in the room? One of the guys. It, it, Mike was, M Maverick was in the room. Bambi, yes. So we Google. Check this out. Bob Iger's income last year. Type in Bob Iger. Ooh. Made $27 million last year. Woo! Oh, wow. So he's calling out Bob Iger. Look at that. So then Bob Iger had an interview with CNBC that we go and find. We're not going to play it for you because it's three, four minutes long. I just kind of paraphrase what he said. He says, look, it's a shame what they're doing right now because there's a lot of people that are relying for jobs and they got to go out there and do this and they got to go out there and do that. And these guys, have, they have to live in their homes, they have to pay their rents, they have to pay their mortgages. So he's talking about Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, making $27 million a year. So now... Question then becomes, okay, so where do they go from here with everything that's going on in Hollywood? Watch some of the stats on what's going on in Hollywood, by the way. We sat there, it's me, the group, and I said, you know what I want to know? Let's look at box office numbers. If you can pull up bo Hollywood box office numbers, Statista. Was it Statista or Pew Research? Statista. Hollywood box office, world box office numbers, uh, Statista, right there. Click on that one. It should be, 2019 should be $43 billion. Now go to the other chart that actually, well, you can use that one. Zoom in a little bit. Zoom in a little bit. Zoom in. No, this is not the one. It's another one. Brandon, if you can text Rob when he finds it, go back. Uh, maybe go to the second one. That could be the one. Yeah, go to that one right there. I think this is the one. Perfect. Look at, look at the uh, 2005 global box office. Go up so people can see what the top Tyler says. Global box office revenue from 2005 to 2021. In 2005, global box office was $23.1 billion. In 2019, it's 42.3 billion. Every year it's going up. Boom! COVID happens. Drops to 11.8. Then it goes to 21.3. And last year was only $25 billion. Just so you guys know. We haven't gone back to $42 billion yet. Fine, no problem. Now watch the other, uh, the other part. We're having this conversation. The discussion becomes, you know, Kelly says, Pat, how do you feel about this? You know, how do you feel about this? I said, I'll never forget... Uh, the gentleman that was buying the company. Tom, you'll remember this call. He says, Patrick, we have agreed on this number. He and I talk on the phone. He says, the next three to six months, there's only going to be one community that's going to ruin this from becoming a reality, and it's the lawyers. Your lawyers, my lawyers, are going to fight, and they're going to make this deal not happen. Every time it gets to the point when the deal doesn't happen, you and I get got to get on the phone to get us. No problem. 
So you know whose lawyer screwed it up first? Tom, whose lawyer was it? You can say it. It's our lawyer. Our lawyer, day one, on a Zoom with all their lawyers, blasts all of them. You guys don't know what the fuck you're doing. Or that I'm like, so I get the call. Pat, you won't even believe we were on the Zoom. It was the most uncomfortable Zoom. Our lawyer did this and da da da. So okay, I'll give him a week. Maybe he's going to cool off. He had a bad day. Second day, same thing. Third day, fourth. Anyways, eventually we have to get on the call. This deal's not going to happen. Union in the middle right now is what's ruining Hollywood. Union in the middle is getting these guys to do what they're doing. The guys at the top of all these big companies are making the money. Union's holding hostage because they're asking for a lot, saying, well, what about this and what about that? One part of the side that the uh, talent does have a proper argument, because this is, you know, they're scanning actors right now. And once they're scanning your, uh, your body, they can use it without giving you credit. The end of the movie Flash, have you guys seen the movie Flash with your kids? The end of the movie Flash, they're using dead characters, and they have it in there through CGI, but they're not paying that person. So essentially, these guys are saying, wait a minute, you're using my likeness, my body, I should get paid. Some are saying 100%. I can see the debate being maybe sure. they pay you 10%, they pay you 20%, maybe they pay you 30%, but it can't be free. It's me. You yeah, can't do that. Right. Pay me my... So there's good arguments there, but at the same time, AI, well, we don't want you to use AI, all this other stuff. Then we wrapped it up with this, and I want to get your thoughts on this. I said, let's go and measure the top 100 greatest movies of all time. What is the most credible source to go to? Give me the website I that we can deep trust. Deep. What is it? IMDb. Perfect. We went to IMDb. Do you know the top 100 greatest movies of all time? What decade had the most, most uh, movies as the top 100 greatest movies of 90s? all time? 80s, 80s, 80s or 90s, I nope. guess. I think it was 50s was first. Huh. I want to say, six, was it 60s first? No, I was. Yeah. So I think, I think it was 50s, 60s, 70s. Then it went to 30s, 40s, wow. and then it was tied with 90s, then 80s, and then in 2000 was only three movies in the top 100. The three movies were The Pianist, if you've seen it. If you haven't, it's a phenomenal movie. Then it was Gladiator, and I think the other one was Lord of the Rings. That was from 2000. Do you know in the last 20 years, 23 years, with all the technology, with all the CGI, with all the Photoshop, all the stuff that they have, they've only produced three movies that are in the top 100 greatest movies of all time. Why? Well, I think there might be a direct relation between that. Because sometimes, you know, when you go and watch these old movies, when they had none of that, what, what you needed to have was a great movie. Story. You know, because you, you had to have a great right. story, because otherwise it's like there's nothing else to do with this. Yep. Whereas now you can really just like, you, it becomes a crutch. Just crazy action scenes and crazy things like that that aren't, you know, might be enough to get people to go see the movie, but aren't enough for them to be like, oh, this was like an all-time great. It's also, look, this whole industry has been, like what we were talking about, like the industry in, in uh, how people consume news, but how people consume entertainment. I mean, we're in the middle of a revolution. Nothing short of a revolution. Like when I was a kid, it was very normal when I was a kid to not have cable. Um, like when I was a little kid, we were kind of broke. We didn't have cable. We didn't have cable till my mom met my stepfather and he had cable and I was like, there's cool. more channels, what do you mean? But like, we had a- uh, Mom married that guy. We had five channels on our TV. It was like there were five channels yeah. and then there, there was like movie theaters and that was like, Entertainment. That yeah. was like the only way to get something. Th today, like me and my wife, like I really we've turned on cable 
maybe five times in the last year. I don't even know why I pay for it. Uh, we are, we're always like watching something on Netflix or on Hulu or on Amazon or something like that. But we now have not only do you, if for entertainment, you not only have you have a world of podcasts and internet shows and all types of like streaming, uh, services. streaming yep. so, content creators, all types of streaming shows, and then you also have access to the entirety of Hollywood, all of the, of the history of it, right on your what would be considered movie theater sized TV. Yeah. That you have several of in your house. Surround sound. So, yeah, yeah, and like yeah. all, I mean, it's basically yeah. almost a movie experience in most people's living rooms today. So they're they're just tough when you hit something like 2020, where all of a sudden nothing's being uh, produced anymore, and everybody realizes all of these other options. Even once things kind of reopen up back in 2021, it's like you're left with this like. Well, I don't really know if I need to make sure I go catch the latest movie. I yeah, don't know why you just is waiting that, for it like, to come on, on Netflix yeah, or Premier, like, yeah, or Amazon Prime or which I personally for me like I got two little kids. It's a whole thing for us to go out to the movies. You know what I mean? If there's a movie we want to watch, I kind of much rather find it in the house anyway, like and then we go out and do something else. I just I think there, we're in a revolution in this. By thing. the way, it, 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 nowadays we're so busy. We're watching movies on 2.0. It's kind of like Titanic. <laughs> Everything's fast. But here, here's a decade. You guys want to know if you can put this up so people can see it. I don't know if you guys can see it or not. Uh, uh, so the number one decade was the 50s. 50s. Wow. Then it went to 70s. Tights, uh, uh, 60s and 90s were tied. Then 40s, 30s. Then 1980s, and the last place is 2000s yeah. for movies. I literally only go to the movies when PBD does a uh, valuetainment field trip, when we go see uh, Air. What was mm -hmm. the last one? Air, right? Air. I saw Air, yeah, or go. I saw The Sound of Freedom. Thank yeah. you, Matt Cipolla, for that recommendation. You got, you got but I also think that, like, I don't even know what's in the movie theaters these days, but it's like Fast and Furious 57, or <laughs> Harry Potter 19, or Avengers 417. I think it's just the same nonsense. Over and over and over and over again. But the, but by the way, did you watch the last Fast and the Furious movie? No. Have you watched it, Dave? The last Fast uh, and the I, movie? I don't think I, I don't think I've ever seen a full Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> the new character they have? Interesting individual. So you're the right. guy watching the movie. There it is. Yeah, bro, duh. That's why okay. I asked you if you watched it. I so let's talk about Sounds of Freedom. So by the way, it, 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 a big part of what's going on as well when you think about all of this is the ESG requirements, which you have to add into movies. You're forcing people into yeah. these movies. You have to have a certain amount, a number of people, part of LGBTQ. You know right now in Hollywood to be nominated for, for Oscars, Oscars, you have to have a certain amount of disabled people working yeah. on a movie. Hmm. Yep. You yeah. guys haven't? Cool. Did you hear what I just said or no? Yes. Okay, can you please pull up the new guidelines to be nominated for Oscars to show everybody what the guidelines are? You have to be... Did you, did you actually hear what I yeah. just said? You gotta have a gay, you gotta have a midget, you gotta have a trans, you gotta have a black guy that turned into a midget that was formerly gay. Like there's so much DEI ESG. Can there going just on be right like, now. can there be one person who fits all of the, like one, <laughs> just like one black gay trans midget who we can just put in every movie just for like He'd a second? He'd be the highest paid actor, by yeah, the way. Yeah. But just like for one John second. John Doe made $728 million this year. And then, but then we're just like, they're covered. Has no like life. Now you can make your movie. He's, take, he's taking all the jobs, though. That guy's taking all the jobs. By the way, no, can, you, by the way, can you pull up the guideline? Here's a guideline, just yeah, so you guys know, yeah. if you wanted to know. 
So uh, moving forward, a, a, a at least one lead actor or significant supporting actor what? has to be from underrepresented racial ethnic group or specific country or territory production. That may include a rap. Go a little bit to the right because Adam's foot is not letting me Sorry, go the sir. other way. The other way. What's the other way. There you go. What's Latino? That may include African American, Black African, Caribbean descent, East Asian. Uh, Hispanic, Latino, indigenous people, Middle Eastern, North African, Pacific Islander, South Asian. Just say Asians. everything except white men. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Why do we have to One list it? Point. We get it. One bullet Everyone point. Everyone else. <laughs> and then, by the way, here's the other part. Here's the other part. Here's the other part. A2? Watch this. Oh, At least 30% of all the actors. Can you highlight that part, Rob, oh so they can see what I'm reading? At least 30% of all actors in secondary and more minor roles are from at least two underrepresented groups, which may include women, racial or ethnic, LGBTQ, and watch the last one, people with cognitive or physical disabilities who are deaf or hard of hearing. What? <laughs> By the way, the new guidelines, hear me out, the new guidelines, the last, I think, 50 movies that won movie of the year, the Oscar, none of them would have won based on these guidelines. That's the direction Hollywood is going. PB, read, read, read A3. Can you continue with A3? Go for it. About What's what, A3? About the, what the main storyline Main storyline subject. The main storyline theme or narrative of the film centered on underrepresented groups, women, racial or ethnic groups, LGBTQ, people with cognitive, same exact thing as well. By the, by the way, did you watch the last Fashion and Furious movie, Pat? I know which story you're going to talk about. The fact that Aquaman was a guy yeah, that was gay. Now, yeah, he's, I, a, now he's, a, he's a gay bad guy in, uh, in flamboyant, super, like, the entire yeah. movie was just like, are you serious? Jason Momoa? Jason Momoa. He was gay in the Fast and Furious Pretty movie? much, bro. Pretty oh, much. Flamboyant and, and doing his nails and doing the nails of a dead guy and just just weird shit he was doing in the movie, bro. Is Aquaman gay or bisexual? <laughs> By the way, in, in about a couple minutes, we're going to go to questions. Anybody have any questions? Or in about a couple minutes, we're going to go to questions on any questions you guys want to have. Speaking and of movies, we'll by the way, shout let's out to do... The Rock's uh, little cousin right here. <laughs> yeah. uh, Matt By the way, let's wrap it up with this. Let's wrap it up with this. Sounds of Freedom. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Talk, Simple story. Talk about it. Told the story. $100 million. Crowdfunded Christian movie. Sound of Freedom hits $100 million. Tops Mission Impossible. Amen. Wednesday star calls Trump a new Moses yeah. on Fox. Amen. I'm assuming you guys saw it. Uh, I know you did. Can yeah. you tell us what your, I mean, Matt, you and I watch it together in Bahamas. Ricky, have you seen it already or not? Yes. Matt, your biggest takeaway yeah, when you we, watch a movie. We came back from Bahamas, and then uh, uh, on Tuesday in Oakbrook, we had a uh, uh, Super BOM, and then the next morning on Wednesday morning, 11.30, and first show before I left on my flight, Oprah, Money Smart Moon showed up to the theater. We packed it. Um, I can't imagine being that father in that movie who felt so daggone helpless knowing that he didn't know who to call, who to talk to, and, and, and he, can, he can't track his kids. He, he's poor, he doesn't have the resources. His baby just got taken. He's a single father. I was resonating with that because I was a single father raising my kids. And I'm asking myself this question too as well. You know, we all laugh about that movie Taken. I mean, that's, people think yeah. it's an action movie. What's that movie really? It's a human trafficking movie. Yep. But we missed it because we got distracted with an action movie. And, and what does Liam Nielsen say in that movie? I have a set of special skills. I have a set I'm, of special I'm a, skills. I'm gonna find you, right? So I'm asking yeah, myself you. this question, because you always, you know, you've always uh, coached us, PBD, to always prepare for no matter what's, you know, if a distraction is coming away, do you have a action plan for that? So I'm asking myself this question: Who do I call if my kids are Amber Alerted and kidnapped? That has a special set of freaking skills to go after somebody like this. And um, and we found him. And we had him on our, you know, we have a podcast, and we interviewed him Wednesday. And he was talking about a case study that right going right now in Dallas, right down the street from Frisco is Louisville. 
This 17-year-old, so it's a working case they're working on right now. It's a 17-year-old. She's currently being trafficked since she was 13. She can't get out the life because the pimps say, you don't want to do this, you don't want to do this. They take a selfie in front of their mom's house. We know where your mom lives, and if you, if you don't do this, we're also going to take your 10-year-old sister, we're going to bring her into the life. We're going to flip her. So she does the job. She's like, I can't do this anymore, I can't do this anymore. It's fine. If you don't want to do this anymore, you need to recruit your replacement. So in the movie, Sound of Freedom, the recruiters weren't the guys. It wasn't some weird dude in a mask, glasses, and a white van. It was a woman. It was a non-threatening person. So this 17-year-old girl recruits this 10-year-old and was horrified what happened. So she promises this girl candy and ice cream. But what she finds is a bunch of guys that kidnapped her, shot her full of fentanyl, and she had to hear this 10-year-old girl for the next two hours gang raped to continue the process of desensitizing her for what the rest of her life is going to look like. So Christian, Muslim, Mormon, as it, no matter what, left, right, can we all agree that we never ever want to have that happen to our kids? That's our enemy. That's our enemy. We're all distracted with all this bullshit, but the enemy is what? The drug trade is not even sexy more to the gangbangers. I got to go all the way to you know, get my cocaine, cross the border, got to find a meal, blah, blah, That right now is not the opportunity if you're a gangster. Because it's expensive to get in a drug game. What, what do you buy a key for? 30K? And you flip it for 60? Mm-hmm. Right? How do you know these numbers, <laughs> man? I'm, I'm Chicago. I watch. Ricky, validate those numbers. So, so, I don't know, bro. I don't so, well, national TV, bro. Like, yeah, like, but, I gotta get a half off. Dry snitchy, dry snitchy. But if, if you if you gotta get a key so you can you can be a you know corner boy, you can drug yeah. in your city. But it's also expensive. So for example, if you have crime and you're doing drive-bys, people know what they see a car. You have a description, they're gonna find you. You have drugs. People are in drugs. Obviously, you know. By the way, how many guys were raised around people that you saw in the neighborhood? People are on drugs, right? High, crazy, right? How they look. So you can tell there's drugs in the neighborhood. The thing with human trafficking, you can't tell. Yeah, it's a hidden crime, yeah. and if you got caught with drugs, you got caught doing drive-bys. You're gonna get arrested. You're gonna be prosecuted. You're gonna, you're gonna spend some time in jail. The problem with human trafficking is, even if the person gets caught with the person that they're pimping out, because they have them in such a lock, they're going to deny that that's their pimp. Because if they, if they follow through with it, they know where mom lives, they know where the family lives. So they say, "No, nah, yeah, this is my friend." And what happens is, there's not enough laws. There's not a, the whole defund the police movement. Guess what they've defunded? Human trafficking, they didn't learn forms. So we've had these nonprofit organizations to be the ones that are, that are taken guys, Navy SEALs, and if you're a Navy SEAL, uh, a former law enforcement special ops, there's organizations that are trying to recruit you right now to be that Liam Neeson character to go out and defend us because that is gonna be our next wave. Like we, we like LoJack when kids, we are, our, our cars are getting ripped off right now. Imagine having to get a LoJack for your kids. So that's the era that we're facing right now and anybody that's against this, that's minimizing this, that's coming against this, Thank you for exposing yourself. We now know who our yep. enemy is, too. Yeah. So, by the way, number one, that's a man right there. That's a father right there. Shout out to Matt Zavala. I mean, emotional. So, seriously, Pat recommended we watch the movie, right? And I think you watched it in the Bahamas. I was on vacation. I don't know where I was. And then I get home, and I see you do a video with, like, 20, like, an army behind you. Yes, yeah. And yep. you're encouraging everybody, yo, go watch this movie. I go watch the movie. And the day Thank before you. on the podcast, we were discussing it, and there were headlines, Rolling Stone, certain magazines, articles, like disparaging the movie and basically marginalizing the whole concept of the movie. For sure. So I go into no, the movie. Unbelievable. 
already knowing, all right, what they called it a QAnon conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, all right, let's look for these clues. So I sit through the two and a half hour movie and I'm thinking, all right, like, when's the QAnon thing coming? When's the right wing conspiracy thing coming? And it was just generally a movie about freaking child sex trafficking. Period, end of story. And the fact that it's politicized and there's people being like, no, it's kind of okay, is like so shocking to me. And well, it's like even if, it, even if the argument is that like, it, it, if they're saying like, oh, it's, they're making it out like this happens in larger numbers than yeah. it does, it's like, well, if it happens at all, right. isn't, that's, that worth, that's the like, isn't that worth making a movie right. about? Like, yes. You guys make movies about things that are incredibly rare all the time. But Dave, it's not that if it happens at all, like, it actually is happening more and more right. and more and more. So it's not just a tiny little blip on the radar right there. No, it's I'm actually, just making the point that even if it was, totally. it would still be legitimate You're to like, raise right. awareness about it. It's a disgusting, heinous yeah. act, and people that are basically trying to minimize it and marginalize it i don't understand why well the, clearly i think obviously the reason why it plays into this kind of bigger uh political by the way i have not seen the movie yet so i can't uh comment on it although i'm, I'm definitely going to Please. but clearly it's like there's something to this idea of like the evil of preying on children and the evil of like sexualizing children that is something that's on everybody's mind right now and then here's an example of like the most egregious form of that and then you see it's it's very bizarre to see these kind of like um progressive types try, who are kind of already have been caught kind of normalizing sec the sexualization yeah, of children yeah. um but look there is I, I was talking about this just the other day uh there was that quote um by um what's the uh What's the beautiful woman's uh, name? Levine, uh, Levin, the Rachel military. Levine. Uh, yes, the, yeah. the transgender. Let's the pull up a picture well, of her. Rob. She was making the argument very, up, very blatantly. Beautiful woman beautiful, with a penis. Gorgeous. Uh, yeah. She was making the argument that like kids can, uh, ki kids oh, can choose. This, this, uh, yeah, this, re this former rear admiral. Gentlemen, <laughs> try to not get aroused. This is your health. This is what Democrats voted for as your health expert. <laughs> this is a Navy okay. admiral. So, Picked well, by Democrats, uh, health expert. Well, uh, overweight man that looks that thinks he's a uh, overweight man thinks he's a woman. That's well, but so, so, Biden so anyway, for you. she was appointed. So, to so yeah. So this dude was talking about um, <laughs> Dave. How it's, Dave? How dare you? I'm sorry. Sorry. So, so there, there was a comment about how um, that kids, uh, you know, um, that pubescent children should be allowed to make the decision to uh, get uh, hormone treatment and puberty blockers because they know what puberty they're supposed to go through and they know this. And look, it, it is obviously just the idea of giving kids puberty blockers or, or hormone uh, is, is like horrific, but there's something almost more fundamental uh, to the foundational claim there, which is essentially that children can consent. It's right here, bro. Because if you can consent to this, I mean, you, that, that is the most permanent, like, that is so much oh, greater of a decision man. than having sex or having a tattoo or getting drunk. Well, You're talking about a permanent, lifelong decision. Well, you have to be 16 to have a driver's license. No, you need on. to be but 18 what, to serve in the army or, or vote. You need to be 21 to drink, but you can be 10 years old and cut your dick off. But that's no, right. that, that that's not even the worst part about it. There's already a state that passed that if parents don't affirm this bullshit when their kids are minors, they could they could take your kids from you. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I saw it when that was proposed. Well, the so, by the way, yeah. California, they just luckily they just vetoed it, but uh, yeah. because of one party that that uh, uh, has all the power in California, they just vote that uh, that uh, uh, being a pedophile or or sales to, uh, having sex with a minor or or sex trafficking for minors is not a, a considered a bad crime. 
They literally just voted for that, and it got so much backlash Insanity. that they had to switch it over. But it just happened. SB something in California. They literally just passed that. So I'm saying, like, there is something to fight off. And yeah, there you is know, 100. I just I hope people realize. You know, Tucker Carlson gave up. Uh, you know, he gave that speech. It was the the last speech right before he got fired from Fox and started the Twitter show. And he had a point in there that I thought was really really profound, where he was just saying that like th this isn't really a political battle. Like this is a theological battle when you get into terms like that. Like the idea that like. Pray, pray, you shouldn't prey on children is not a right-wing view. It's not a left-wing no, view. No. Exactly. The, you know what I mean? It's like, just this a is, same this is, normal no, person's this is, view. This yeah. is a good versus evil yes. view. Like, and there's really no other way to Spiritual conceive battle, of it other than that. Ephesians um, 6.11. That's it. It's right there. So then, if it's not political, then why is it political? Well, the political process is being used. But I'm, the point I'm making when I say it's not political is that it's not as if, like, if you get into a... If the... The idea is if, if you propose that um, taxing wealthy people and redistributing that money makes for a more just society, and then I want to argue, well, no, actually, in fact, lowering taxes allows those wealthy people to invest in companies, creating more jobs, and expanding the economy. We're having a political debate. If you say, I think we should be preying on your children and propagandizing them, I'm not having a political debate so with you why anymore. Is it this, you get a nasty Because woman. they're using the power get, of government. That's what I'm saying. Yes, yeah. I mean, there's just, there's no more like, it, it's just, the, the realm is now in like a, it's a theological debate. You're talking about child sacrifice now. This is not like, it, it's just, it's a different uh, type of debate. It's political because obviously laws and politicians are involved in it. I'm just saying that it's like, you almost have to conceive of it in a different way. This isn't left wing versus right wing, like we have these different political ideologies that are I competing disagree. with each other. It's a moral issue. I disagree. What do you I, disagree? I, I disagree that it's not political and that it's not left versus right, 100% it is. And it just is. I don't. I don't care what anybody says. It's the truth because there's only one party pushing it. That you can mutilate your children. That you're gonna get arrested if you don't affirm their their gender. That that all this the SB bullshit. There's only one party pushing it. It is 100% political, and it's easily identified on who's pushing it. It's that simple. You're so not it wrong. Is you're not. But I'm not. I'm not, I'm, not I'm not arguing that there's one political party who's more guilty of it. What I'm arguing is like when you say the term left wing, like historically, what left wing versus right wing has meant is that left-wingers uh, believed in egalitarianism and right-wingers believed in um, traditional hierarchies. This doesn't fall into that. Like, this is a completely different thing. That's what makes it this more sick. This is a sick, different beast. Dave, that's what makes it more sick. Yeah, no, I, I don't actually think that, we're that's, disagreeing. That's, that's even, no, 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 I know we're not disagreeing. That, that's what I'm saying. Well, your tone seems to no. indicate <laughs> we are. No, if anybody, if anybody, but, 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 but let me tell you why. But let me tell you why. The, the fact, the fact that it shouldn't be politicized. Yo, Dave, you're my best friend, bro. Everything you say. Uh, I yo, I love you, bro. dude. Let's go get beers. All right. No, let, let's I love you, dog. Here's a Bud Light. I love you. I just, I just, the fact, the fact, the fact that, that the fact that it's like it shouldn't be political, but it is political. For example, where's uh, Natalia? Natalia uh, is sitting right here. Her, her mom posts, go watch Sounds of Freedom. And some goddamn idiot that looks educated, you can look at your mom's Facebook thread, I don't know if you saw it already. I'm going back and forth with this guy. He's like, oh, it's some QAnon conspiracy, right-wing conspiracy. Bro, fuck you, bro. Like, what are you talking I, about? I, I agree. Like, what are you talking about? And I guarantee you, if I look at his voting card, it's going to have a big-ass D on it. 
Can I ask you guys? Because I haven't seen, I have not seen the movie, so I'm just genuinely curious. Is there anything in it about how like? There is something like going on with the political class zero. being involved zero. with this. There's no so there's just this is zero. there's no like conspiracy. No, no. Zero about politics. It's just the story yeah. of. Brother, yes. It's a hundred percent. There's zero politics. And let me tell you why. Zero. Get, let me tell you why I get more upset about it. Okay, here's a, all of our cultures have something going on. Obviously, yours went through a whole like the Holocaust. Everybody's here. Here's the reality behind things right now. Okay, right now, thirty percent of women. Thirty percent of my people coming up the border are being raped and human trafficked coming from the border of Guatemala to Mexico to the border. I've sat down in front of a fifty. I recruited this girl. She, when she was fifteen, she was gang raped by twelve men, and the only reason that she was saved was because the lady that was cooking for the men bought her from there to save them. I've seen this shit. It's not right wing or left wing, and there's only one goddamn party trying to make this okay, and it's not okay. It is not, no, you can't mutilate your goddamn kids. No, you should not lower the law to make it less worse for these idiots to go to jail. Yep. It's defined who's supporting this bullshit. My, my brother, I, it, I, I just listen, can't. You're I'm right, not, it's you're my right. people listen, that are doing it. I understand. It. You're right to be outraged. It's appalling what's happening to, to girls and boys on, on uh, coming up. Uh, but it happens in my country, brother. So I just, and no, I, I, I understand. I lived in my country. I'm and just I've been telling there, you, seen it if you're time. pushing the open borders policies or the de facto open borders policies that you're talking about of the Biden administration, they were absolutely pushed by the entire Republican administration, the entire Republican establishment as well. Jeb Bush was out there on the debate stage saying it's an act of love. We have to let them all in here. It wasn't until Donald Trump that Republicans were even raising this issue. I'm not so even I'm just saying, saying it's just not. I'm not there, even, there's a lot of guilt I in the Republican I'm Party. Well. That. I, I get it because obviously the only reason illegal uh, uh, immigration works is because it's illegal because you can exploit. I get that. Yeah. Both sides profit from that. But there's when well, we have the state remain in Mexico. What again? I understand what you're saying, and I totally get. I don't disagree with you. Everything you're saying are facts. But we're living in right now, Agreed. and right now, when you have open borders and it incentivizes people to traffic other people, it's minor majority of the people that are being affected by it are my people right now, not 400 years ago, not your goddamn ancestors. Right now. Yeah, I agree. In, it's in many ways, right now, under this administration. For, pe for people that voted on this president, and it's happening on a local level, on a state level, on a community level, right now. Yeah, in, in that's my issue. In many ways, we have the worst of all worlds because it's it's like these de facto open borders, where to your point, it is still technically illegal. So you're still technically in this black market where you're not protected by anything. So it's not just pure because legal you're open borders. Because would, you're exploited. Pure open borders would be legal for everyone to come in, and that would carry with it a lot I, of its I own got problems, one last story. Sure, I got sure. one last story before we wrap up. It's it's uh, guys. If there's one thing everybody here uh, can do, they can talk. Okay, we can talk for hours and hours and hours. I got one last story. We get a uh, a breaking news video that gets sent to us. Okay, well, we had to talk to our lawyers before we rele released it. The uh, uh, Valuetainment broke this video just earlier today, a couple hours ago. Hmm. Uh, before we did, we texted, we emailed uh, General McChrystal because it's General McChrystal in the video uh, talking about Nord Stream Pipeline, okay, and what happened to it. Nord Stream Pipeline, a lot of people are saying, well, it was, uh, you know, Ukraine did it. No, it was uh, Russians did it, Putin did it. No, who did it, who did it? Now, General McChrystal, to be fair, this is not a regular person. He's not a sergeant. He's not a captain. He's a four 
star general. general. I've interviewed him seven years ago. We had a very good conversation together. And so we emailed him to let him know, do you have any comments on it? I don't believe we got a respond back from him. We'll play the clip. And I know you've spoken about this a lot. I want to get your reaction on this. So here is General McChrystal and a gentleman in D.C. Got this footage in D.C. Sends this video over to us if you can play this clip. There's no obvious better solution in Russia. I think Putin ought to go, but there, there's nobody that I'm aware of standing on the wings. It seems like there's a lot more radical people standing yeah. on the wings too, which is concerning. Like, remember the whole Nord Stream thing? Like in the oh, beginning yeah. of that, I was like, oh yeah, Russia did it, but I don't know. Do you think, what do you think did that? My son was a, is the leader of the uh, energy team at DIA. Um, he didn't think that the Russians that? did it. Yeah. Defense intelligence. Uh, okay. so he like didn't CIA, think that the, the Ukrainian officially did it either. I mean, there there are people who benefited from it, yeah. and that was people who produced natural gas around the world. Listen. So if you really want to get <laughs> conspiracies, the corporate, uh, the United yeah. States made more money off that deal than anybody else. Yeah, benefits, true. right? But yeah, but that's you know because we were huge beneficiaries. We changed our policy. We started providing liquid natural gas, you know, overseas and. You know, there's no... I don't know if you guys realize what he just said yeah, right there. So yeah, a four-star general. My interpretation, I want to get yours, Dave. Interpretation, America was behind possibly Nord Stream Pipeline coming from a four-star general who worked under Obama, by the way, just so everybody knows. So I'm going to give it up to you if you want to give a little bit of context behind the story. Yeah, well, if people don't know, General McChrystal, was, he was in charge of the war in Afghanistan. Uh, under Barack Obama, and he, he was the head guy like uh, before Petraeus took it over. That this was his war, um, and um, there um, or after Petraeus took it over. Anyway, he was he was the guy. They had a falling out. He was the guy who got interviewed in that Rolling Stone uh, piece, and he got drunk uh, with the r the reporter and started just like trashing Obama. And then he published all of it, and then he had to resign because, like, you're really not supposed to do that when you're a four-star general talking about your commander-in-chief, which is kind of an interesting insight into how some of the top military brass actually look at the president. There's obviously a lot of evidence when Donald Trump was president, too, that a lot of these people don't really feel like they work for the commander-in-chief, which is disturbing in its own way. But what he's talking about here is the Nord Stream pipelines. I, I assume most of you guys know what this is. It's a, a natural gas pipeline that was built from Russia to Germany, um, and it was blown up. Um, uh, late last year. It obvious, they tried to blame it on Russia. It made absolutely no sense that, the, that this was Russia. Germany had basically agreed uh, in part of the Western effort to support Ukraine that they wouldn't uh, use the pipeline. But So Putin blowing it up is just blowing up his own pipeline. He can close it from his end. There'd be no benefit to him. But there's an enormous benefit to Ukraine and the West because the big fear was that it was going into winter. Germany's having a lot of energy problems because they've embraced these insane climate change policies. Mm -hmm. And so they were worried that the Germans might break in the winter and agree to start getting some of this natural gas from Putin again. If they're dependent on him for natural gas, how much resolve are they going to have to keep supporting this war with Ukraine? So it's not just the issues that he's talking about that, okay, this also benefits all these other oil companies. Look. Who had the means, motive, and opportunity to do this? It's pretty obvious who it is. There was also uh, um, uh, Sal Hirsch, who had a, a great uh, bit of reporting on this, that it was absolutely America 
who uh, blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. Just to be clear, if that's true, this is um, an act of industrial terrorism against a NATO ally mm. who we're yep. sworn to, you know, Protect, defend, defend if they're if they're attacked. Um, and it just it I hope it at least opens people's eyes up to like it's not so clear. Like, look, I love America. I just hate our government. So just to be clear on that, I just hate politicians. Um, that they are not the good guys in this conflict. It's not as simple, and wars are never as simple, as like Russia bad, Ukraine good, America good, Europe good for helping them. There's a lot more to this conflict than that. Good guys don't uh, you know, uh, uh, commit environmental terrorism to one of their closest allies. And the truth, this is what I've been talking about for a long time, but if you, if you look into the history of this whole conflict, Vladimir Putin is actually absolutely wrong for invading. The war is illegal and it's horrible and a lot of people are dying. Um, but Vladimir Putin was absolutely provoked yep. for decades yep. by the West, who after winning the Cold War were the sorest of winners and just did nothing but try to degrade and humiliate and poke and prod the Russians. It, there was a long plan, uh, largely driven by neoconservatives. Um, you can go read about it in their yep. project for a new American century back in the 90s, where their attitude was basically like, instead of what even a lot of the great Cold Warriors, like George Kennan, who was the founder of the containment strategy, who, who was fighting the Soviet Union. His idea was once the Soviet Union fell, it was like, oh, this is wonderful. You guys aren't communists anymore. You overthrew your communists. Now you can have freedom. Now we can all be friends. And the neoconservatives went, no, now they're weak. Now's when we take over the world. And they used to, they used to draw the line in, down the middle of Germany, okay? And West Germany was, was with the West, and East Germany was with the Soviet bloc. And that was how Europe was split. And now we've expanded NATO all the way up to Russia's borders. NATO is now taking over the entire. Yeah. And, Too close. You know, and they might, you know, from what the, the establishment people will say is they'll go, what, this is just a defensive, no. a defensive alliance, NATO. No, and they are a defensive alliance, you know, except for all of the times that they fight aggressive wars. If you overlook that stuff, like Putin's army is only defensive, except for when it invades Iraq, uh, Ukraine. Um, and so basically, in, in 2008, it was announced that uh, Ukraine would be joining NATO. This is what really sent us all down this path. This has been Putin's red line forever, mm -hmm. that you can't go any further. Because it's you like having are. your enemy as your neighbor. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're a very strategic input. Look, from yes. Putin's perspective, NATO is not a defensive alliance. Right. NATO is the European arm of the American military empire. Yes. And yes. from his perspective, Outsourced. he's like, I cannot have you this taking close. over Ukraine. There's just too many vital strategic interests yep. here. I can't have a, 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 um, all this hardware, uh, uh, military hardware on, uh, right on my border. In 1962, when the Soviets put nuclear weapons into Cuba, Cuba. Jack Kennedy said, that is unacceptable. Too close. It is an act of war for yeah. you to have nukes this close to us. Same and thing. I will blow up the world. That was literally what he said. Yeah. I will blow up the world yeah. if you don't move these nukes That's off of here. And then they three. got on the phone behind closed doors and they negotiated. And they pulled, the Soviets pulled their nukes back and we pulled some nukes back in Europe. And we saved the world. And the fact that we haven't been from day one of this conflict saying, yeah. okay, let's negotiate what the deal is here. Okay, yeah. how about we pull our NATO uh, hardware back a little bit and Putin, you pull your military back a little bit. And instead, the Biden administration's policy has been, we will fund this war till the end of time. Yeah. Like, why? 
Why is that in America's interest? It's not. Luhansk way, must be ruled by Kiev, not by the, Moscow. By the way, the biggest. How many of you really passionately care about that? Well, or Mike or Mike Pence is not. Of his concern. Listen, yeah. man, as far as I'm concerned, and Ron DeSantis was a heroic governor during COVID, and he took on the world, and he did a very good job for you guys, but he's just nowhere near good enough on this issue. He's just waffling on it whenever he's talked about, oh, the problem is the mission is ill-defined. The problem is that we're involved at all. Trump has been phenomenal when he's talking about this issue. Vivek Ramaswamy has been phenomenal, and RFK has just been unbelievable yep. on this issue. This, it's a proxy war of choice on the border of the country with the largest nuclear, nuclear. stockpile in the history of the world. I, I couldn't think of a more insane, reckless policy for zero strategic advantage. And all Matt, it's doing is continuing the dying. Matt, I just don't think, thoughts? Yeah, I just don't think we need NATO anymore. What was NATO created yeah. for? Because NATO was created because all the European armies were, countries were decimated through World War II, and NATO was created so therefore America and Russia doesn't come, you know, uh, come to war again. So basically, those are the last big boys of, of the military. These countries now are rich. These yep. countries now are making money. Far These richer than Russia. They can defend themselves. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And on top of that, every time we go, because, you know, every time I was deployed, we're always looking at the news. Why are we, why are we going here? Why are we going here? Why are we, who's fighting? Why are we fighting for this? Because we're commanded to do so. And so when we're looking at this, why don't we just take care of our backyard? Let's take care of our home. There's so much here. Our kids are at stake right now. That's, you know, the, the, the border. There's so many issues here. We got to take care of home. I think America needs to be selfish right now. Just like all of us, we can go in business. You want to help your family. You want to help your mom and dad. You want to help the community. But guess who you got to help first? Yourself. Yourself. You got to build a big base shop. You got to build a business. You got to go field train, da, 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 right? Oh, man. America needs to take care of itself. Get rid of NATO. Yeah. We don't need any more. Let these countries fight gang, their own wars. Gang, we are at the tail end of the podcast. Make some noise for all the folks here. Dave, Matt, Ricky, Adam. Thank you, everybody. If you're listening to this and you're with us before we wrap up, we'll be with you guys here in a minute. But I know the ladies, there's a place over there called the bathroom. There's some you guys want to run to, but thank you for your respect of sticking around. Uh, for those of you guys that want to be here at the next live one, we have Vivek Ramaswani here in two nice. weeks oh, doing a wow. town hall right here in two weeks. If you haven't yet bought your tickets, text the word uh, uh, podcast to 310-340-1132. We'll send you the link or go to 5990live.com. Rob, let's put that in the comment section, 5990live.com. Uh, Get your tickets. We'll see you at this next live event. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Thanks, Thank you. Yes.